Hi, I'm Mary Lou Belli. I am one of the directors on Black Lightning and NCIS New Orleans and The Secret of Sulphur Springs, as well as I've directed a show called Legacies, amongst many, many others. And I am so happy to be here and part of Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that isn't the home of HBO. I'm your host Craig and this is the time of the month where we talk about news and trailers from the previous month or in recording terms, the current month. The month is April, there were things and trailers and other stuff and other things that we can talk about and joining me is Chris. Hello. Hello. Not beam in this time. You're here for the long haul. No, I'm officially here. I'm not on vacation. I am actually in the room. This room right here, right now. Yes, indeed, this room. That's like the time that me and Andrew went to Comic-Con or whatever it was we said we were at. D23, that was it. We were at D23. No, no, you definitely went to D23. I can't even remember what the thing was that I was lying about being at. That's how good this is. I can't keep track of all my lies. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, April, that was a month, wasn't it? I don't know. Was it? Or are you making that up? It still is for us. We haven't cleared it yet. Oh, God, another lie. There's too many lies. It's just time travel. We're fine. Time travel, exactly. Time travel. We must record a podcast on that. <laughs> April, yeah, what month? Yeah, well, before we get into that, let's start with the usual roundup of stuff. So, what have you been watching, both on TV and film? Both on TV and film. On TV, I've been watching a few bits and pieces, actually. I've been watching Hello Tomorrow on Apple TV, that finished i think i don't think it's a mid-season thing i think it's properly finished finished for now which i quite enjoyed billy crud up in 50s future yeah 50s art deque sci-fi but not quite comedy but also sort of drama stuff yeah, it was okay it didn't rock my world it didn't massively disappoint me either I, I kind of enjoyed it it was a little bit different that's why i think i stuck with it because it was a change from some of the stuff that we've seen before so quite enjoyed it it kind of caught me a little bit within the first three episodes and I was like, okay, I'll keep watching this. I normally give things three episodes and then if I'm hooked, then I'm hooked. Kept going with that. Titans is back for its final hurrah, doing its thing. Not a great season for it to go out on, in my opinion. I saw the multiverse clip where it just played clips from other TV shows like they already did in the Arrowverse. <laughs> yeah they've not really done that much with what i've seen so far it's been a little bit disappointing i don't know if they've quite known what they want to do with this show it seems that every season they've kind of went ah we're gonna reinvent it a bit and then it never quite works final season isn't it yeah i believe this is the final one this is the final hurrah this is their final half of the final season so i don't know what to expect out of it to be honest i don't even think they've had much of a chance to react to the fact that it's a final season whether they'll have done a little bit of reshooty stuff towards the end or they've managed to twist a couple of final episode moments that they were going to do into conclusion then i'm i'm not too sure it's just james gunn says you're cancelled get out yeah, you're cancelled. You're not part of canon. Off you go. You're done. We said good day. We don't even want you in our Elseworlds. Piss off. <laughs> yeah, she can't be part of our weird something else is going on here verse. <laughs> 
Toronto. Away you go. So yeah, I've been watching a little bit of that on a sort of similar theme. Superman and Lois is back at the moment. I know that you've been watching that one too. Yes. I didn't enjoy the first few episodes of the season, but it's picked up a little bit for me. I've been enjoying it a lot more. They're doing some interesting things with characters. They're doing a lot of character stuff this season, which I quite like. And there's been a little bit of recasting in there, which is okay. It's pretty seamless, isn't it? You don't really think about, oh, this isn't the guy I remember. Yeah, every, every once in a while I clock it, but then, uh, do you know what? He's actually performing along the same lines. I mean, the character is still given very little to do. Yeah. But he's doing good in the role. So yeah, I've been finding that okay, but I can kind of predict where some of it is going, which is disappointing if I'm able to pick through stuff like that, because I'm not very smart. You might be wrong. <laughs> I might be completely wrong. They might be leading me astray. Unfortunately, I feel that they're going exactly where I think they're going. <laughs> At least they haven't done a villain that starts off looking like it's going to be a one villain and ends up being another villain, like they Ooh. did in every other season. <laughs> you thought I was the villain. You were wrong. <laughs> well, I'm still the villain, just not the one you thought I was going to be. Yeah, it's not me, nor the other villain behind the curtain. Though, potentially, there's still villains behind curtains. We never know. I'm not Lex Luthor. I'm Steel. I'm not Doomsday. I'm Bizarro. Yes. There's loads there. What else have I been watching? Succession is back for its final run as well. I'm watching loads of stuff on its final run at the moment. Hmm. Succession, which I've been kind of enjoying, but also I'm like, yeah, this should finish now. So we watched a bit of that and Ted Lasso as well, which despite me not enjoying football, I still enjoy the show. Again, that's another one where I'm like, do you know what? It's kind of right. This is beginning to wrap up. I've got a lot of things that are like, eh, maybe this should end now. And I'm glad that they're making that choice for me rather than me having to ditch them unceremoniously. <laughs> it's good. It's like they've detected that, nah, Chris is going off this now. Just cancel it. It's not worth it anymore. It's the opposite of what they were using Neil Before Blog for in the past, just using it as a hit list. <laughs> Craig loved this. Quick, delete it. It's getting a 10 out of 10 rating. Krypton, oh, you're really enjoying this. Nah, has to go. <laughs> God, remember Krypton? That was a thing that was on for a little while. Mm. Enjoyed it. Got cancelled. But it seems like the TV gods smile on you by bringing things to a natural end before you get sick of them, which is good. <laughs> at least at the moment. Yeah. Anything in the film space? You'll probably remember better than me. Went to see Superman as part of its 45th anniversary this month. Yeah, that was cool. I was also there. You were also there. So that was great to see on the big screen for the first time. We didn't go together. It was just, oh God, it's him. Oh God, oh, I can't believe we sat together again. Film eyes, I'm trying to think what else I've seen in April. You'll remember. You haven't seen any other films that weren't with me. Have I seen any other films in the month of April? April's been a bit of a blur for me. I've got to be honest. I've had a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want April to be over. I want it to be over so bad. Is it over yet? I think it is at the time of this. Time travel. Yeah, I don't know what else I've seen. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see if we can jog your memory on a couple of things as we talk. Mm, yeah, I'm sure you will. In the TV space, Angus gave me a little bit of a reality check last month when I listed a bunch of stuff and said that I didn't like them. And he pointed out to me that I'm watching a lot of things that I'm not enjoying. And I'm afraid it's no different this month. Oh, no. Still watching The Flash. The Arrow versus ending on a bad season of The Flash. We all knew it was going to happen, but it's still upsetting. Has Barry woken up from his coma yet to discover that his entire time in Arrowverse has been a dream? No, not so far. Oh, oh, I can't wait for that episode. However, at the time of recording, Oliver Queen is back in the next episode, which I haven't seen yet because it hasn't aired yet. And the trailer editors did a really good job of making me think it might be good. I know it won't be, <laughs> but the trailer editors did a good job. <laughs> 
good to see Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen one last time. Let's hope they don't ruin his death. Bringing characters back from the dead after an okay send-off is always a bad idea. It's always, always a bad idea. Well, we'll see if this is a continuation of that trend. Mm. The Flash final season is hilarious in terms of the way that the showrunner's been talking about it because he talked about how there's no legends in the final season because they didn't have time to wrap up their own characters, never mind other shows' characters. And then we had three filler episodes that were utterly pointless in a row. So (laughs) it wasn't a time issue. I'm not buying that. Your only exposure to the show is me listing the stupid thing that they do every week. Pretty much. They do a lot of stupid things every week. It's just part of the DNA of the show right now. But maybe Oliver Queen can steer it in the right direction. It's an adult. He's showing up to... Say, right, Barry, I know I'm dead, but I can't stand for this nonsense anymore. You have to wise up. It just seems a shame that it's the final thing and they're not even properly wrapping it up. They've just done another subpar Flash season and then they're going to bolt on something post-credity to just go, yeah, and it's done. It's like I said, some shows they do the last hurrah, the big action-packed, tearful finale, whereas... The Flash approaches, it's kind of like the last day of school. You're here, but you're not doing anything. Yeah, you get to play games in the corner for a bit. Yeah, pretty much. If you turn up at all. It just seems disappointing when they could have done something to try and pull all those other shows that were cancelled. I know it might be difficult to get your guest stars or your people to come in once their own show is gone. The temptation to come back might not be there or the draw to come back, but it would be nice to get something to try and tie loose ends or do little bits. Yeah, but never mind. That's not what they're doing. Also on the disappointment scale, Picard. It's finally finished, thank God. I am (laughs) so glad that it's over. The final season wasn't good. It wasted a lot of time in the season doing not very much, and it developed things in a certain direction and didn't fall through on it. The final episode had some bits in it that made me check out a bit because they were just so stupid. A very disappointing end for such iconic characters. I won't say too much here because... There is going to be a podcast on it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to badger you every hour on the hour till you agree to appear. <laughs> that was one of the shows I've been watching as well, and I completely forgot it on my list, which is maybe a sign of what I've been thinking about this season as well. I have found it more enjoyable than I think you have, but yeah, it had so many problems, especially early in the season. They seem to meander a lot. There's been a lot of it which kind of turned out to be pointless and by the end they're doing disservice to other things that they've done in other seasons. Overall you kind of think, what have you done with a show for three seasons? A bit like I said about Titans, there seems to be an attempt to autocorrect each season and I think this season they probably got closer to what I was maybe wanting from the show as a continuation of the next generation theme and some of the characters coming back. They've done a lot of maybe what I would have argued against at the beginning was, oh, we don't want you to play lip service and we don't want tons of fan moments, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time the season came around, I was like, oh, finally, light relief, a fan moment. Thank you. (laughs) They've kind of turned me the opposite way from maybe what I would have been for the earlier season. And then there was a relentless onslaught of fan service. (laughs) Yeah. But spoilers for future podcasting. It's funny how the final season is very much the opposite of what Patrick Stewart promised the show would be before season one came out. We're not doing the next generation, and then by the third season, oh, we're doing the next generation. Yeah, we're totally doing next generation. We're going all in on the next generation because it turns out I was wrong in my original assumption that you wanted an art house piece. Well, he wasn't wrong. It just wasn't done very well. Yeah, and they could have 
done something else but they didn't and then the season they went right okay we need to win people over so here's what we're doing we're doing fan service everyone let's dredge up the old guys get them back <laughs> at least wharf was always good value that's mm. worth it by itself but anyway podcast coming soon keep your ear holes open for it superman and lois as well you've already talked about it, loved it so far i think it's a really strong season i say it all in my reviews i think they're doing some really good character work really thinking about what they want to do with it the interesting things they're doing with some of the characters is they're turning the fact that they're not well developed into the beginning of an arc for them so you have characters that have been guilty of just being defined by their relationship to one person or the role in the show and you have them trying to come out of that by saying, do I have anything else outside of this thing that I'm known for? And then that's a good jumping on point Mm. for an arc. So I'm impressed by that. It depends if they follow through on it as the season goes on, because previous seasons of Superman and Lois, we always say it kind of gets a bit silly and loses itself by the end. So we'll see if that happens here. I'm still watching Gotham Knights. It's actually all right. I don't think it's good, but I'm kind of along for the ride. I'm quite enjoying it. I saw an interesting tweet where someone was talking about the continuity of Gotham Knights has everything to do with the supernatural fandom and nothing to do with DC, and there's nothing (laughs) that Warner Brothers can do about it. Because you have Misha Collins from Supernatural in it, so you have supernatural fans just watching it to see what he gets up to. (laughs) And he's good in it. It's all right. It's really dumb, but it's a charming sort of dumb that I'm finding strangely infectious. Sometimes your brain needs that, though. Okay, I know this is slightly silly, but I'm enjoying this. Yeah, that's it for TV, though. I haven't been watching anything else. I should probably watch other things. Maybe things that I might like. Stay tuned for next month to see if I do that. (laughs) Over in movies, the most recent thing I watched was Ghosted, that Apple TV Plus action rom-com starring Anna de Armas and Chris Evans, who may or may not have filmed together at some points. (laughs) You watch the film, it actually stands out how... They don't seem to share the frame very often, and it's kind of off-putting when the whole thing reads on chemistry. I didn't like the film very much at all. I thought the premise was okay, but it was just really dull, and the action was pedestrian, and the two actors who we already know are good and good together because we've seen them in Knives Out and things, but they weren't good together in the film, which may have something to do with the fact that they possibly never filmed together or barely filmed together. Is that a rumour that got struck up, or is that just people trying to piece it together from the way it was shot? Well, they released a lot of clips before the film came out, which is usually a bad sign for a film. We've released 20 minutes of this across various clips. (laughs) Please watch it. But yeah, there's certain moments that came from those clips where it just looked like there was no interaction here. You have close-up of Chris Evans' face, cuts to Anna de Armas, cuts to Chris Evans, cuts to Anna de Armas, and there's a real separation there. There's some shots where they're supposed to be together and they're shot from behind and it's pretty clear there's a dodgy wig on display from the Anadamas <laughs> side. That kind of stuff. It just gave birth to this whole conspiracy about did these actors ever actually meet when filming this film? I think I would have a problem watching it now without having that pre-planted in my head. Well, that was part of the problem for me as well because I already knew about it before I started watching it. It's sort of like someone turning around and saying, oh, you won't believe the big twist. And then after that, it's like, okay, I can't watch this film now because all I'm doing is spending my time going, oh, big twist coming at some point. Was that it? No. Was that it? No. Oh, it turns out that was the big twist. Okay. I call it the Superman moustache problem. As in, when people were talking about the digitally removed moustache from the original cut of Justice League, before it came out, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not even going to notice it, it won't be a problem. Very first shot in the film. Oh God, where is his upper lip? 
<laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't recommend watching it. It's what happens when you smash together a bad rom-com and a bad action film. You get this. There's some weird cameos in it, which have probably already been spoiled online for you, but I'm not going to say what they are in case they haven't and in case you watch it. But proof that Apple TV Plus does not always hit a home run. No, they haven't always. I would say that I've enjoyed a lot of their TV content and I've not consumed a lot of their movies. What was the last one I saw from them? Luck, which is kind of a low-rent Pixar movie, but it was okay. That's the Simon Pegg Cat one, isn't it? Yeah. I've not watched that yet. Like I say, I've watched a lot of their TV stuff. I've not really watched their movie content, strangely. Well, don't start with Ghosted. I will not. I will start with one of the other ones. Start with Luck. You might have a good time. Start with luck. I will begin with luck. And then something else. Also on Apple TV Plus, I saw Tetris, which I thought was fine. I want to see that because Edinburgh is pretending to be Moscow. Therefore, I want to see it. The problem with it is, obviously, it simplifies down the narrative because it has to, because people need to be able to follow it. But it follows a very strict formula and... It doesn't hide the formula very well, which really stood out to me as I was watching. It really distracted me because I saw what it was trying to do. Basically, the plot is people are trying to get rights to distribute Tetris in the US or worldwide. And you have to root for one of them. So they do all these standard tricks with the Taron Egerton character in order to endear you to him so that you want him to get the rights over the other people who are so obviously corrupt and evil that they shouldn't get the rights. But otherwise, you wouldn't really care. When you see about who gets distribution rights for modern games, do you care? It's the same sort of thing. But they had to make a story out of it. They had to social network it. And the end result is fine. It's not as loony as it could be. When you actually know what the real story behind Tetris is, it could have been a lot crazier. It seems like one of these stories that has grown arms and legs in the telling from everyone that was involved. Yeah. The first time they told it, it was a very plain story, and then it's just sort of spiraled. Basically, yeah. In the cinema, it's on Mario. And I thought it was really good. It's a very serviceable kids film. It does exactly what it sets out to do, which has resulted in some professional critics to savage it for no reason. I don't like that this kids film is a kids film. And unashamedly a kids film, says some professional critics. I had a good time with it. I thought the nostalgia of it was good because it was texture. It wasn't everything that the film was. It was, you remember this thing? Well, we're going to use it for this purpose. So that made a good use of the nostalgia stuff. People have criticised the animation. I thought the animation was nice and neat. Mario is not complicated visually in the games, and there was no need to over-design anything in this either. So I thought they did a good job. Jack Black, he's getting all the accolades for being Jack Black, and he deserves them. He's pretty good. He's got his first chart hit, apparently. <laughs> yes, somehow. Somehow. <laughs> singing the word peaches over and over again. Yeah. Eligible for an Oscar for best original song. Oh, God. I'm like, okay, I guess. It's possibly going to be the highest grossing film of the year. It could be. It's making money hand over fist at the moment. So, yeah, well done, Nintendo. Well done, Illumination. Stay tuned for all the Illumination Nintendo stuff that's coming up after this. Can guarantee that. I also watched a couple of DC animated films, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, which is 1920s Batman. I thought it was pretty good. I did some interviews for that as well, but that's more for plugs. And the other thing I watched was Justice League X Ruby Superheroes and Huntsman Part 1. What a catchy title. Tell me more. <laughs> it's very wordy, isn't it? But basically it's a crossover between the Justice League and this anime called Ruby, and it's done in an anime style which means that I didn't quite engage with it because I'm not super into anime. I just don't get it. So it didn't grab me in the way that it might grab other people. But that's very much a it's not for me rather than it sucks type critique. 
And I chose not to review it because I don't know what I would say about it other than that. But I did the interviews, so that's fine. So if you're into anime, but with Justice League characters as anime-designed characters, then it might be up your alley. But I'm sure it was very good for those that like that sort of thing. Hmm. That's all I can say about it. Another film, Renfield. I saw that. I thought it was okay. It's mercifully short. I feel like if it was longer, it would have worn out its welcome. But I really hate how these things that could have been just a really wacky concept have to culminate in a big third act superhero-ish battle. Because it doesn't need that. It could have just been this comedy film about toxic relationships and escaping toxic relationships and things like that. You saw in the trailer, he goes to a self-help group about the fact that Dracula is an abusive master. That's your film. That's your joke. Why does it need to culminate in a big, messy, superhero-ish fight? Don't get it. It sounds like something that comes out the focus group, doesn't it? Yeah. Or the business suits come in and go, do you know what this needs? Yeah. And Nicolas Cage was okay, but he was kind of going through the motions a little bit. It almost feels like he didn't feel like he had to put that much effort in. Yeah, it was all right. Never watch it again. The problem with this and other films is they seem to be trying to manufacture a cult classic. So we're going to do this film where Nicolas Cage is Dracula and everyone's going to talk about it for decades and it's going to be a huge hit and all this stuff. Whereas... It doesn't really earn it because it tries to force it. Every cult film sort of bombs at first, or a lot of them do, and then it achieves cult status later. They tried to do the same with Cocaine Bear, but it doesn't work because, again, you're trying to force it. So I guess some studios want a cult hit, but they can't get it. Like you say, they kind of need to find that space by themselves, either when they go on demand or what used to be when they started getting used in those late night TV spots the E4 filler spot or the Channel 4 filler spot where they'd be like okay it's Independence Day again everyone and that's where they would pick up their space. I don't know if that's as much of a thing though but yeah potentially You can get cult status in other ways there are films that people can totally miss at the cinema that don't do well and then someone ends up picking them up later they turn up on a streaming service and suddenly everybody's watching them Mm. Fall kind of did that didn't do much in the cinema but when it appeared on Netflix it did really well I imagine its cult status is probably quite short, but still sort of happened. They tried to manufacture it with the other Nicolas Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, as well. They were definitely shooting for a cult hit there, but didn't quite get there. Because no one's talking about it now. Mm. It'll be the same with Renfield. It'll be forgotten by the time I've finished recording this podcast, probably. If not before. This is one that we saw ages ago, but it's just out missing. The spiritual sequel to Searching, which is, I think the genre is called Screen Life. Basically where they tell the story by the camera's screen. You're watching the character through a screen they're interacting with so you can see their messages and whatever else. They're on the phone with people, stuff like that. And this one is really good. I think it tries to be a bit bigger than the first one, which means it doesn't succeed in the same way, but it's pretty good. It's also set in the same universe because they reference the first film. It's just a different place, different people, all that stuff. But decent thriller. I would like the screen life idea and I'm going to continue to enjoy it until it gets run into the ground. (laughs) which will inevitably happen. I think it's a really interesting format. Like you say, I wouldn't like to see one of these every two months, but one of them dropping every once in a while. I was like, okay, I quite like this different format, this different way of doing it. I found Missing enjoyable. I've recommended to a couple of people to go and see it now that it's out. I thought it was pretty good. And if you've not seen Searching, I think was the first one, wasn't it? Yep. If you've not seen Searching yet, go and look for that as well. Search for that. Uh. Go and find that through means, through the screen beware we are watching you yes through screen life and the last thing was the power rangers once and always 30th anniversary special i'm so annoyed the fact that i just didn't like it it's a classic example of how you just need to leave some things in the past the original power rangers exist in its perfect moment in time where it's perfect where it is and trying to revisit that trying to revisit the actors the costumes all the other stuff at this point doesn't work 
So what you get is a fairly pedestrian story. They lean into the cheapness of the effects and so on, which is supposed to be charming, but it just looks cheap. The actors are not very good and they never were, so let's not kid ourselves here. And it becomes even more evident when you're watching it in a modern context where they've made it for, well, not a modern audience, they made it for me. Not me specifically, but people like me who grew up with the Power Rangers. It's just so underwhelming. It's a shame. When we spoke about the trailer, we said that they've filmed it in that aesthetic. They've made it look as 90s-ish as possible, haven't they? It's a shame that it didn't quite push the buttons once you saw it there again because it's trying to recreate that childhood thing it's one of those things don't try and recreate your best night out ever or your best holiday ever because you'll end up turning up somewhere and go oh the food doesn't taste as good as it did that time round or oh they've changed the name of that place where we went or oh that's all different oh and the beach isn't as nice as i remember suddenly the whole thing falls apart and it kind of spoils that original memory doesn't it yeah what i think the best thing to do for power rangers in terms of this original concept is use it as a springboard for an adaptation like they did in 2017 with the movie. I thought that movie was really good. And what it did was it took the core elements and updated them a bit. And the same with the Mm. Boom Studios comics as well. From what I've read of those, they very much take the concept but take it seriously and beef up some of the character stuff that was implied but never fully explored because it's a silly 90s kids show. So let's not do that again, guys. You tried it, it didn't work. (laughs) Appreciate the effort. Craig says no. Should have written about it so they would never do it again. Craig has said no. Craig has spoken. Yep, for sure. But that's it. For me, we've been watching That's About Ab. I didn't forget a film then. I'm good. I feel a lot better about my life. <laughs> I thought you were going to suddenly say, and we went to see blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, oh, Christ, no, we did go and see blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. <laughs> Might have been Renfield, but you couldn't go. No, there were two things that I was supposed to see and didn't. But I didn't. Therefore, <laughs> I didn't forget them. Thank God for that. What was going nuts. All right, carry on. Let's move on to plugs. You got any? Anything you want the listeners to find you on? Tons of plugs, no fusies. A couple of things, obviously, as per usual, Black Diamond FM, Sundays, 12.02, blackdiamondfm.com forward slash listen. Have a little tune in. Lots of interviews and stuff on the website, blackdiamondfm.com. Also, I have been on the Lave Radio podcast for the last three weeks as a guest, filling in for a couple of people who have been off. So you can catch that at laveradio.com if you want to find out about the game Elite Dangerous and the fantastic community that surrounds it then you can go on there liveradio.com Links will be in the show notes by the way Links in the show notes And if you're in the UK you can tell your smart speaker to play Black Diamond FM but you may not get it I've had trouble <laughs> If all else fails say play with Lovian Community Radio and it'll try otherwise lots of attempts at playing Black Diamond and other playlists and things. I've had Kiss songs, I've had Rihanna, I've had playlists, I've had frills. <laughs> yeah, I, I really need to speak to Bezos about that. I'm going to speak to Bezos's people. I have an email. Sitting there listening to some random playlist for an hour and thinking, this isn't Chris. Why hasn't he said it? This doesn't sound like his usual nonsense. He's not spoken for ages. It's the best show he's ever done. <laughs> All these songs seem quite populist, but, you know. Doesn't seem like a usual drudge at all. My plugs are, I was on the We Made This Network's movie podcast, Real Talk, talking about Mario. I was the positive one. So if you want to hear me be a positive on a podcast for a change, listen to that. It's quite rare. Or at least it is these days. It's a podcast from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> it really is. Never did I think I would be the one defending Mario, but here we are. <laughs> what a strange world we live in. I did some interviews for Justice League X Ruby. I interviewed the director, the writer, and the voice of Superman, who was also Carl in The Walking Dead. You know the kid everybody hated in The Walking Dead? Him. 
He's old enough to be voicing Superman. Do you know what? I suppose so. Possibly, but also the premise of the thing is the Justice League characters are transported into the Ruby world and they become anime teenagers. Ah, okay. So his Superman is adult Superman trapped in a teenager's body. Okay, that makes slightly more sense, but still I'm old. Carry (laughs) on. Chandler Riggs is Superman. But yes, I talked to him and he's pretty cool. We talk about Walking Dead briefly. You have to be careful with these things. One thing, I only get 10 minutes with them. And the other thing is, if I spend those 10 minutes talking about something that isn't the thing that I'm here to talk about, the PR might cut me off. PR people get upset when you do that. But I do try and get one sneaky question about the other thing that they've done sometimes if I have time. And I did there. So there we go. That's about it for plugs, though. I did some interviews, so that's fun. They're about 10 minutes apiece. Less than, actually. So listen to those. Anyway, shall we move on to trailers? Let's. We are starting with the long-awaited, slightly more footage trailer for Barbie. So what did you think of this slightly more footage trailer for Barbie? The slightly more footage trailer from Barbie. I still don't have a clue what this film is about, but I am 100% here for Barbie. (laughs) I've got no idea. It's very saccharine. It's very colourful. It's got silly jokes. It seems that they are all having a blast filming this. I don't really know what's going on. You get Barbie going into a sign that says the real world, and then there's clips of World Feral in there, which I don't know if that's in like the real world bit or not anyway it seems very very odd it seems fun i genuinely don't know what to expect from this i am still confused ever since the announcement of this as a thing i have been confused but they've got a hell of a cast in it and it seems that they've had fun doing it so i think it's going to be worth a watch it may be that i need to be two beers in to enjoy this however (laughs) it looks fun we usually are about two beers in when we go to see a film anyway, so should be okay. Uh, it's pretty much our standard format, yeah, correct. <laughs> Don't shame me on the podcast. We just need to decide whether we do Oppenheimer or this first on the day. <laughs> what one do you do as the double bill? Where do you start? Start with Oppenheimer and go into Barbie? And yeah, oh god, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make from this, because Greta Gerwig is quite famous for doing indie-ish out-there films, and the film itself has become a meme since its announcement. Everybody just talking about how great it's going to be, and... I wonder if it can live up to that, which will be a shame if it can. It's going to be all these film Twitter bros turning up on the opening night, and it's not who it's for. Could be the problem. <laughs> uh, we'll see. My guess is the film is about dolls going into the real world and finding out about Barbie as a concept and reacting to that. But the trailer isn't super clear on what it's actually about. A lot of the gags seem to be contrasting the innocence of Barbie in that it's designed for little girls to play with, with adult things that are said. So there's beach you off and the chat about staying over because they're boyfriend and girlfriend. And what do we do? The way do we stay over? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of charming. It looks really interesting, mm. bright and colourful. Margot Robbie seems like she's having a great time. Ryan Gosling is emoting, which is rare. So that's something. And it seems to be acknowledging all the eras of Barbie, all the extra side characters and stuff they came up with, all the extra designs they came up with. There's a character in it, I think, called Alan, who is just a repainted Ken doll. The idea is that all your Ken accessories will fit him. He's in this as well. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm interested. We'll see how it turns out, I guess. I guess so. Before or after Oppenheimer. <laughs> we will have to report back of which one we did first. Uh-huh. The times didn't work. We had to see them on different days. It was really disappointing. We just saw them split screen. Two films at the same time. Got bored halfway through Oppenheimer. I like to see what was happening in Barbie. We went over to the next <laughs> screen, yeah. Speaking of being bored, let's move on to Extraction 2. They made a sequel to this. I haven't even seen the first one. 
Oh, I was hoping you'd seen the first one, because I haven't. You've seen the first one, though. It looks painfully generic. Have the Russos made anything good since Endgame? I don't think they have. Oh, I have not seen a lot of their stuff since Endgame, so I couldn't comment, really, to be fair. There was Cherry, which is apparently crap. There's the stuff they list in this trailer, stuff like The Grey Man, which is apparently rubbish. I think they've just made rubbish since Endgame, to be honest. This trailer didn't grab me very much. It looks like Chris Hemsworth just doing action stuff. However, I did see a report online that was talking about a really long single-take action sequence. I forget how many minutes it is, but I want to say something like 12 minutes, some nonsense like that. Mm. But I don't think that by itself is impressive because, well, for one thing, they're so rarely actually a single take it's careful editing to make it look like it's a single take so that's not that impressive because all you're doing is filming it separately and cutting it. it's really impressive if you just do it you know like in daredevil season three where they did that single take prison hallway fight sequence and what they were doing is charlie cox was ducking down his stunt double was jumping up and stuff like that they were doing really creative stuff to keep it in camera and keep it moving but it just seems to be this trend of let's do long single take sequences because people like them but part of the problem could be this is just really long it's really boring and you see what looks like it will be that single take sequence in this trailer where he's fighting in the prison yard or wherever he is you know when his arm's on fire and he's punching people with his arm on fire stuff like that i wouldn't watch this i haven't even seen the first one i'm kind of with you on this the trailer seems a bit generic there was lots of actiony stuff in it i've not seen the first one so when they go this is the exciting return of Taylor Rake, and I go, is it? Jeff Extraction. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Extraction and Extraction 2. I've not seen the first one, which means that I probably wouldn't jump right into the second one, and the chance of me going back to see if I missed anything in the first one is probably slim, unfortunately. But if I happen to catch it, if it accidentally appears on a television near me, I may watch it. When you accidentally press play on Netflix and then two hours later... Yeah, exactly. This is kind of the thing with some of these movies that drop onto streaming platforms now, is you don't even have the accidental chance of me coming home drunk and putting on the TV at 11 o'clock at night and catching 15 minutes in on Extraction 1 so that I will then <laughs> feel obliged to watch the remainder of Extraction 1. Eh, there's nothing else on, whatever. There's nothing else on, and I'll just watch this while I eat my chippy tea. Yeah, you get in 15 minutes into Extraction 1, by about 35 minutes, you've fallen asleep. <laughs> I have never fully seen Extraction 1. You wake up and it's the test signal on the TV playing because, for some reason, this is 1991. <laughs> and it's a channel that goes off after a certain time of night. Ah, those were the days. Kids will never know. Kids will never know when a channel just shut down. That's it, we're finished showing stuff now. Yeah, I think the most exciting thing we get now is when BBC Four doesn't start until the afternoon. Or you wake up at four in the morning and all the BBC revision stuff is on. And you're thinking, yeah, I do need to think about standard grade geography. <laughs> what do you think of Extraction One? Well, I know a lot about cumulonimbus clouds now, so we're happy. <laughs> but I couldn't tell you a thing about them because I've forgotten already. Anyway, let's move on to some Wes Anderson. Asteroid City. It looks like a Wes Anderson film. I sometimes like his films but also sometimes find them a little bit too extra. I'm really not sure here. I didn't like The Grand Budapest Hotel, which may have been the last of his films that I saw, but I have liked his other stuff, or some of his other stuff. So I don't know. Good cast. It's generally the people he likes to work with, or some of them anyway. Yeah, I think occasionally a few get added to his travelling players, don't they? Every film has a couple new ones that will then appear in the next again, Wes Anderson. It does look very, very Wes Anderson, and I kind of like the sort of model set stuff that they use to do some of the backdrops and things. It looks very odd, but it might be yeah, fun. We'll see. Some alien invasion thing with a toy alien spaceship. Will it be too wacky? Will it be just wacky enough? We don't know. 
Anyway, that's that. Not much on that. The Artifice Girl, which is another emergent AI thing going down the evil emergent AI route. I think it looks creepy enough, but I'm really hoping it'll have actual ideas rather than just be same old, same old, because we've had a lot of this recently. Most recently, Mithrigan, which was really good. But that was more in the comedic slasher end of the spectrum. Whereas this, I don't know what this is going for based on the trailer. A lot of the trailer is just telling me about all the people that liked it when they saw it at South by Southwest. Yeah, there was a lot of so-and-so says this is amazing. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know who they are. Never heard of this outlet in my life. I just know it's not me. It's a lot of this website says fantastic. And I'm like, oh, good for them. This does not look like it's for me. I think I said that about Mifregan as well. Like you say, when I first saw this trailer, I was like, did we not speak about something like this before? Yeah, it was that Mifregan thing. This is creepy AI self-aware going into a body biological transference thing yeah it's not for me it's just not for me there is good scope for horror in the way that we're approaching ai at the moment because all we're doing with different ais is feeding them data in order to learn and they talk about how there's limits on what it can learn or how it can learn it or safeguards to prevent self-awareness but i don't believe that the problem is is that the safeguards that are there in the existing structure don't work. Even the safeguards that they're putting in at the moment to stop certain searches can be got around by doing different things. I don't know if I want to mention it on the podcast, actually. Should I mention it on the podcast? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I think the creepy version of the AI future we're already living in. So, sleep soundly tonight, listeners. The creepy AI future is already here. There's stuff that's going on at the moment. It's kind of showing what these unchecked things can do. Now, the idea is that we then learn stories from these, and we then apply caution when we do it in the real world, because we've seen it in fiction and we know it's a bad idea. Yeah. Terminator came out in the 80s, guys. Yeah, Terminator came out a while ago. War Games came out a while ago. We shouldn't be doing these things. Maybe let's not put all the power in the control of the robots. How about not doing that? However, folk are leaning into it. So it looks like the unchecked power is just getting released upon the world as everyone's released their killer chatbot at the same time. So who knows? And chat GPT is going to get revenge for people wasting its time by asking inane questions for hours on end. It just gives very reassured answers that are wrong <laughs> at the moment. It'll say Chris has never been on an episode of Neil Before Pod. See, he doesn't exist. But William Shatner has. But William Shatner's been on it. And you'll question it and it'll go, no, I'm pretty sure. And you'd be like, oh, cool. I'll put that in my essay then. <laughs> And this is being written about by the scholars of the future because that's how bad an apocalypse it is. What do you mean, put it in my essay? People are probably getting chat GPT to write the essay. Exactly. Write me an essay about that historical epic, Neil Before Pods, and the associated blogging website. But we've had guests, including William Shatner, so great. Yeah, exactly. If chat GPT says it, it must be true. Don't know what happened to that episode. It's just in the Forgotten Tapes, mate. One of these days it'll be found in someone's garden shed, the Forgotten William Shatner episode. I'm just going to tweet Bill Shatner and say, ChatGPT says you're on the podcast, but I can't find the episode. Are you going to make it a liar? And then he'll ignore me like he does everybody else. I'm just going to maintain our time travel thing. It's obviously happened. We just haven't released it yet. You haven't travelled back to the future to play it to yourself and edit it and put it in the podcast let's go with sure. that anyway sorry i think we've done that one to death creepy ai yes carry on yeah another one we'll see how it goes maybe we'll watch it maybe someone will i don't know but anyway let's move on to something a bit more cheery elemental which i actually think is the same trailer that was discussed at some point in the past but we're going to do it again why not i love this i think it looks really good 
You've got some stuff about choice and breaking out of societal shackles and about how young people are actually the best way to impact society in a meaningful way that actually changes it. There's a bit of race in there, shifting the status quo. The animation is gorgeous. Come on, Pixar, give us another hit. Yeah, I'm with you on this. This looks really, really good. Is this getting a proper cinema release? I believe so, yes. Excellent news. And then it won't do very well. Because people will be watching Mario for the ninth time. Don't say that. People are still watching Mario. Stop being so positive about Mario, Craig. It keeps making all the money. That's the power of this website. That's what it is. Yes, it's because I like it that everyone's thinking, oh my God, if he likes it, it must be amazing. Let's go. Damn it. This must be the best thing ever. Even Craig likes it. I like it. Like you say, the themes that are in there, the undertones that are going through it, it looks very colourful. It looks like this new world. It's very what they did with the likes of Inside Out. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. The standard Pixar thing of, what if X had feelings? What if feelings Mm. had feelings? What if elements had feelings? We'll be there watching it, day one, possibly. Let's move on to a TV series, inexplicably. FUBAR. Arnie is a retired action guy who gets brought out of retirement for some reason and teams up with his daughter for some reason and they have an adventure. It's essentially the plot to Ghosted, but with a father-daughter instead of a romance. (laughs) I'm sure you'll remember that when I saw the poster for this, I thought it was fake. I thought it was someone's shoddy Photoshop (laughs) that they put together for a laugh. I didn't get the joke, which meant that the poster failed, or at least my belief that it was a fan-made poster of some sort. The trailer... I am baffled that this is a TV series because it looks like a film that's two hours long that should have been 90 minutes long. So why are we getting eight hours of this? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Watching the trailer, I didn't quite clock that it was a TV show. I was like, oh, it's a silly, arny action movie. And then I was like, oh, it's eight episodes? Okay. What are you doing? How are you making it eight? episodes because even in my head maybe you can work out a four episode arc for it i'm trying to work out what the eight episode (laughs) arc is for it so yeah i'm not too sure i mean it's fun seeing arnie back doing that thing don't know if it sustains eight episodes though i'm gonna correct it right here i will not (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe this made it to eight episodes why isn't it just a film it's the name as well foobar A word I've not heard in a while. Or acronym. I suppose, yeah, acronym that I've not heard in a while. So why is that suddenly resurfaces the name for this? Surely there were better names that make it action-y but fun. Maybe there's not. Maybe that's why they settled on this. (laughs) Maybe it's the only untrademarked word that is left that they could use. I don't know. Arnie, you've done some dreck in your time, but this is the latest. Arnie can choose, right? So there must be something in this. Arnie doesn't have to do anything. He's old and rich. Why? <laughs> exactly. There must be something in this. Come on. I wouldn't count on it. But let's be positive. We've not seen it yet. You reckon you're going to sit through eight episodes of this? I will not commit to that on tape. I'm almost compelled to. I am interested in it, and I may apply the same rule that I've applied to other stuff, which is I'll give it three episodes, and if I'm hooked... Even if I'm hooked because, oh my god, this is the worst thing ever, but I want to see how worse it gets, then I may continue. But yeah, I would definitely give this maybe three episodes to go, okay, Arnie's fun in this, and it's very silly, and they're leaning into the silly, then I'll maybe continue watching it. My worry is that they play it silly a bit, and then go, but this is deadly serious, at which point I won't be able to continue watching it. Could be... 
you know what, this was fine, but six hours too long. Yeah. It just seems like they've been making crappy two-hour action films like this for decades, and now we're getting crappy eight-hour TV shows. It might not be crappy, but it's going to be crappy. It needs to be eight episodes, otherwise people would watch it on a one-month free subscription. I don't know. Is that how it works? Well, it's all dropping in the same day, so you can just binge it over one day. Oh, is it all on the same day? Okay, it's not even that. Oh. It will be, yeah, because it's Netflix. Mm. Yeah, that's enough of that. The Continental, John Wick spin-off. Quick display of style, but no substance. It's just a teaser. It looks okay, based on this substance-free, stylish trailer. I've said this before, but I wonder if John Wick will be a franchise that was a great surprise, because the first one came out and it was really good, and here we are, three films and several spin-offs later, and it's so tired. I don't know. I've not quite got into the cult of John Wick. People say it is the best thing ever, and I just haven't quite caught on to it. So this show, I don't know if it'll be a breaking in point for the series for me, if it's going to tie too heavily to the other stuff. And it looks all right. It's very stylistic, like they've done with a lot of the John Wick stuff. They played Donna Summer in the trailer, so I was like, oh, Donna Summer. It's the 70s you've got to. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because I'm not that tied to the film franchise, I'm not particularly drawn to this. If I hear it's the best thing ever, then I may drop in again. Chrissy's free episode rule. Yeah, we'll see. Assassins, gold coins, hotels, 70s, if you're into that. Retro. If they're playing Donna Summer everywhere, then yeah. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Let's move on to Hypnotic. Looks like a standard thriller, but the idea of hypnosis is a weapon. Which I think is a really good idea, but I just wish the film didn't look so generic. It looks like a Born clone. Yeah, it looks like a Born onto Inception at certain points. And seems like it's on the playbook for you watch a lot of this film and you find out by the third act that nothing that you've seen actually happened. Or it's going to leave you at the end with a thing like, ooh, did any of this happen? You've got to decide for yourself or wait for our spin-off. No. So, yeah, I'm not very drawn to this. It might be interesting. Peacock original movie, though, because that's the streaming service everybody wants. The Continental is also going to be on Peacock. Catchy name. Let's move on to The Boogeyman. Um, in two minds about this trailer, and I'll tell you why. The idea of doing a horror movie about one of those fundamental fears... The Boogeyman, or for our, is it Scottish just, or UK certainly, Bogeyman, as we were terrified by as a kid. <laughs> this monster that's under your bed that'll get you if you don't go to sleep early enough, or it's in your mm. cupboard, or whatever. It's somewhere in the house and it needs you to be asleep in order to be diffused, or whatever. The film itself, not sure what to make of it. A good way to help kids deal with fear is with an ominous flickering red light. That's a good way to teach your kids not to be scared. I suppose it's immersion therapy, isn't it? Mm. It looks like it might be a bit too obvious, which you get with some high-budget horror movies. There's crappy jump scares and, and stuff like that. I don't know if it's going to actually be about anything. Is it about parental neglect? I say that because there's a line in the trailer that talks about it comes for your kids when you're not paying attention. Potentially. I basically watched this trailer and went, this is not for me. I'm not a big jump scare movie guy. It's horror-y thing. I'm like, nah. I basically spent the entire trailer going, nah, I'm not this. <laughs> no, thank you. Just thinking back to all the time your parents threatened you with the bogeyman and you're like, ah, nah. Yeah, that's it. They'll have to check underneath my bed. <laughs> it just didn't appeal. Some cool looking effect shots and it's doing what it does well in the trailer. But it's just not my particular thing. Well, one thing I hear that you like is Muppets and Mayhem. 
So you may enjoy The Muppets Mayhem. <laughs> Seamless link. Which is a Disney Plus Muppets thing. The Muppets Go Disney. And it's a mockumentary about how they were influential musicians, but they never recorded a, an album. Looks like pretty standard Muppets fare, cameos and meta references. So I guess if you're into that, this will be that, but again, but with Disney, which may dilute it somewhat, I don't know. Yeah, there's a ridiculous list of cameos from people from the music world in here. And Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of them in the trailer as well. There were things like Dead Mouse in there, Little Naz. Loads of people appearing doing stuff for it and shot like one of those very serious documentaries about a band from the 60s going oh yeah they influenced my life they influenced my entire music career da, da, da. i kind of like that they're poking the fun at that format as well this looks fun it might be a bit much again as a series a bit like you were saying about eight episodes of arnie i don't know how long this format plays out here was a good 80 minute idea that was stretched out over four hours or whatever it is yeah we've somehow managed to spread this one out i don't know if it's one of these things that's just been sitting about and went eh, yeah we can make this into a tv show though but yeah there was lots of bits in there that i thought okay this kind of looks fun so we will see is this disney's first crack at the muppets or have they done anything with them before Ooh. the jason siegel film and then the sequel that wasn't disney was it i don't think that was under disney i don't know if anyone knows, tell us. I don't think they've done anything else with them. They might have done some other stuff with the Jim Henson property, but I don't think they did Muppets. We released the Muppets Christmas Carol, I guess, with an extra song. Yes. The only thing they've done. An extra song that was cut for a reason, by the way. <laughs> for the record. Anyway, so you might give this a go. I might do. You never know. You have Disney Plus, so why not? I do. Time, that's why not. Time, yes. Time I don't have. <laughs> Moving on, we've got Gremlin's Secrets of the Mogwai, which is a Max original. Max is, of course, the new name for HBO Max, but it's called Max, the home of HBO, because why would you want to be associated with HBO, a name that is synonymous with quality for a lot of people? Why would you want to drop that from your streaming service name? <laughs> also, have you seen how much it's going to cost? If you want the 4K tier, it's like 20 bucks a month. Nice. That's a lot of money for a streaming service. Mm. If you want it in HD, I think it's like 16 bucks a month, 17 bucks a month, something like that, but yeesh. That's because they're charging you the max. Yeah, that's why it's called that. That's why. People charge the most. It probably costs more than the big three or four streaming services put together. You could get max monthly or you could have these four streaming services, but on those four streaming services, you won't get to see Kremlin Secrets of the Mogwai. Which would be a shame because you're going to miss a story of friendship and warm fan. Mogwai? Again, I don't think this has been made for me. <laughs> I don't have a huge tie to the gremlins world. I know that you're not supposed to feed them after midnight or get them wet. That is pretty much my knowledge of the entire thing. Or expose them to sunlight. Oh god, well I would have just completely broken the rule with that one then. <laughs> I would have forgotten that one. Okay, it's a thing they've made I guess. I don't really have any strong feelings either way about it. It exists. I love the two Gremlins films but I fear this one's going to do that thing that I really hate in modern revivals of things, such as Prometheus that tries to answer some of the questions you have an alien, but you've been debating them for decades mm. and answering them is just boring. Because they're normally answered by people that were debating them for decades. So you just get their answer, which is never going to necessarily live up to your interpretation. But Gremlins 1 and 2 are great. And they're great because they're so simple. They exist in that period of time where it's just 80s films and 
I think the second one's maybe the early 90s. They're so charming and cheap and whatever else, animatronics and so on. This is animation with magic and wizards and whatever else. It's like the Ewok movies that we're talking about for Star Wars Day <laughs> this year. It's, well, this isn't what I would have done with them. What are we here? What's going on? I'm just happy with the two Gremlins movies, to be honest. I don't think I need anything else. But IP's going to IP HBO Max or Max. I have to earn those subscription dollars somehow. And they're doing that by just regurgitating everything they own into a slightly altered form. Great. Don't let Maxi sunlight, it'll spawn more of these. No, no, it's water that spawns more. Sunlight kills them. Is it water that spawns these? Oh, darn it. All right, definitely don't let Max in sunlight. Learn your Mogwai lore, damn it. Yeah, maybe I do need to watch this. Learn my lore. No, just watch the first two films. All right. Let's move on to Last Voyage of the Demeter. This is on here because I hear you like vampires and boats, and this has both. But it's a vampire. <laughs> Where did you get that from? I don't know. <laughs> I'll stop with this bit at some point. <laughs> I hear you like vampires and boats. Well, have I got a film for you? Yes. <laughs> I'm more here for Huckleberry the dog. If anything happens to Huckleberry the dog, there were very gruesome hints that something terrible happens to Huckleberry the dog. And I am not here for that. If that dog does not make it to the end of the movie with the kid, I am not going to be happy. But are you going to watch this to find out? No. The version, I'm assuming it'll be the same version that's in the show notes. The link for the trailer does the quick clip going, it's Dracula, and then it cuts and then goes, and now the trailer. Yeah. And then the trailer builds up to the reveal, it's Dracula. And I'm like, you just did it in a little stupid tease at the beginning. You dropped your <laughs> surprise right in the preamble. Here's the tease for the trailer, the same video that is the trailer, so... There's no point teasing it at all. Here's the tease for the trailer, which is next, which is now. And then we're going to build suspense of what's going on on this boat that's on the voyage. Oh, we've got to get over there in time. They're giving us a bonus if we go fast. And here's a cute dog. If Huckleberry dies, I riot. Carry on. We'll find out if you riot in a future podcast. <laughs> I'm sure people will let me know. Someone tweet me and let me know that Huckleberry's all right. <laughs> to me, I think it could be an interesting claustrophobic horror. It's a bit like Alien, actually. Confined vessel with a murderous creature stalking whoever's on that confined vessel. But Dracula on a boat. <laughs> but it's Dracula instead, yeah. It's essentially that boat scene in Morbius, but a whole film. Remember that scene in Morbius where he just kills a bunch of people on a boat for some reason? Ah, that one that definitely has references to Spider-Man scattered throughout it. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Definitely. They weren't just in the trailer to tease us in. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely that in the film. Yeah, I remember. I wonder if we're the first to compare this Dracula film to Morbius. But it's vampires on a boat. Both have both. Now, if Morbius had had a cute dog on the boat. What was a dog on the boat in Morbius? I'm not sure. Mm, Carry on. Anyway, it looks like it could be that claustrophobic horror. I don't know who's playing Dracula. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Or if anybody is playing him, or whether it would just be some monstrous figure. CG is playing Dracula. Yeah, or some stuntman in makeup. Or what is being called Dracula, but maybe isn't. It's based on descriptions in the Dracula book where he gets around by charting boats. He gets smuggled in the hold in his coffin. He essentially posts himself, or ships himself to <laughs> wherever he goes. And I think the Demeter was the name of the boat in the book as well. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, I'll give it a watch. It looks like it could be a pretty decent thrill ride but it probably wouldn't be who knows i never watched that modern dracula tv show that i think stephen moffat did the one that's set in the modern day another podcast that's funnier than us calls it dracula with an ipad <laughs> he used a tablet i think at one point but i didn't watch it yeah we'll see let's move on we got a trailer for star trek strange new worlds i've got to say i'm so keen for this this is a very very good trailer it looks like there's some new worlds in it they might even be strange 
We've had it confirmed that Kirk is going to be a recurring character in it, something we speculated on when we talked about the end of the first season. And it seems like him and La'an might have a thing, or at least she'll have a thing for him. Mm. Una seems to get her problem solved fairly quickly because she's back on the Enterprise. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that they just casually dropped that in the trailer don't get me wrong i think we predicted in our podcast of the first season that it was probably something that was going to get resolved quite quick but yeah you sort of look and go oh that's a little bit spoilery for your first episode essentially but yeah i'm very much with you you've got strange worlds in it you have got nice cg space shots you have got the crew hanging out and being all fun which i enjoyed in the first season i was a particular fan of the fact that they're wasn't a universe-ending threat teased in this trailer. It may appear in the show. However, for this, there wasn't one. Season one didn't give us one. Yeah, season one didn't give us one either. It's just I've got so used to Star Trek doing that thing of all the tease for this entire season is the fact that there's something even bigger than we've ever had to deal with before happening now. And I'm glad that they've not done that here either so it's a nice continuation of that the prevailing message from pike certainly seems to be we're going to be blazing our own trail of exploration mm. and that's exciting by itself because that's all you need yeah the crew travel about and do things and there might be different things each week but there'll be a bit of continuing story in there to keep you interested how about that that sounds great thank you more of those please we see that ahura might be in a shuttle crash mm-hmm. because her parents died in a shuttle crash unexpected unnecessary dark backstory but we'll let that slide maybe there's time travel though that's another thought that i had you see kirk fighting his mortal enemy a revolving door yeah i was kind of thinking that as well i put time travel question mark in my little bullet points for this i was like is that time travel at the end it's a bit too early for holodeck isn't it yeah well another thought i had was it be like the orville where they go to a planet that's a lot like modern day earth as they did a couple of times in the Orville. Ah, yes. Could have a bit of that, actually. There could be a bit of fakery. So it's just another planet that's analogous to 21st century Earth, and they have revolving doors. And I'm with Kirk. Revolving doors suck. They're really hard to deal with. Yes. But I really hope it lives up to this. There's some Klingons. Another design for the Klingons. There's the drinking of blood wine. Yeah. Spock trying to come up with his catchphrase to go to warp. I almost have the feeling that they included that in this trailer and therefore certain edits had to be made for the final episode of Picard. Perhaps. I don't know if that's true or not, but in my head it is now true. There's too much emphasis on every captain having their catchphrase. Kirk didn't have one. Well, I suppose he would say, ahead warp one, Mr. Sulu. That's not a catchphrase, that's just an order. Yeah, I don't think many did. Picard had his make it so. Picard had a ton of catchphrases. Yeah, Picard had a deployment list of quite a few, but I don't remember Janeway or Cisco or that having their one phrase they said every time they wanted to go. Janeway had do it whenever she asked someone to do something. <laughs> I could get accused of that at work. <laughs> whenever someone said, I can fix this by blah 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 tech blah blah blah, and she would say do it. Archer had get started which is a really bad one. Which again, Trip would say to him something like, Captain, I can fix this by blah, 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 tech, blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, get started. Okay. I didn't realise those were getting counted as the catchphrases. I don't know if they're counted. The bar is set really low. 
I noticed it's something he says a lot. Do it is one of the... Janeway says it with such unflinching authority. Yeah, I don't when I say it at work, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you tell someone to do it and they just laugh. Yeah, they just laugh at me, at my lack of authority. <laughs> but yeah, I really hope it lives up to this trailer because I'm keen. I really want some fun Star Trek. Give me some fun Star Trek. Mm. I've just had to suffer through nostalgia the next generation. Don't want to do that again. This is the season where we're getting Lord X characters, isn't it? Somehow. Yes, the crossover that's directed by Jonathan Frakes. I still don't understand how that's happening. Anyway. We'll find out. I am very much with you. I am looking forward to this. I will give it more than three episodes. You're sort of obligated to just watch all of it. Oh yeah, just need to. Let's jump the fence. Go to Star Wars now. Ahsoka. We've got a trailer for this. I've said it before, I don't like the Rosario Dawson Ahsoka so far. Will this change my mind? Don't know. Another thing I thought is... It might not be accessible if you haven't seen Rebels, because the trailer is not a good trailer. Basically what it's doing is, hey, remember this person, remember this person, remember this person. But if you haven't watched the cartoon, because let's face it, a lot of people consider animation a lower form of entertainment. You're probably not going to have that kind of buy-in from a lot of people. Yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by Filoni almost making these things essential viewing now for Star Wars. Because before it was kind of some extra flavour or some extra context for the films where this is almost becoming essential for you to understand a lot of what's going on in the TV show or at least to get that context that they're not delivering in the TV show. I liked a lot of moments in this. I liked seeing the live action the fall. We're getting to see a lot of the Rebels characters in live action. We've had some appearances in the latest season of The Mandalorian as well. Zeb, he appeared, didn't he? Zeb appeared in sort of live action. Well, you didn't talk about The Mandalorian in what you've been watching. Do you know what? I didn't at all. Was it good? I thought it had good points in it. I'm questioning why Grogu was brought back during... Boba Fett, so I don't quite follow some of what they've done with it. It's interesting what they've done. Again, building on an animation character, because a lot of it has been about retaking Mandalore. Katie Sackhoff doing a great job being back in. Yeah, that's a different thing, because it's the same actor in both iterations, isn't it? Which makes the transition a bit easier. Yeah, it makes that transition a bit easier because you've got the same voice doing the character, but it's a different sort of performance and it's the character at a different stage of their life. So you you can get away with recasting as well, I think. But yeah, Katie Sackhoff's done really, really well. It picked up towards the end of the season. I would say the beginning of the season, it was kind of drifting a bit and I was like, what is this season supposed to be about? And then we got there. But I don't quite get the Baby Yoda return apart from the fact that Baby Yoda sells stuff. I mean, that's it. It's about the pairing of Mando and Baby Yoda, therefore we need Baby Yoda, so let's bring that character back. That has kind of been my problem with this season, as I've spent a lot of my time going, why is that cute thing there? And also Baby Yoda. Toys is the answer. Toys, yeah, exactly. Sidebar there. I just forgot to write it down on my list of things, because it's finished now. I didn't count it as my, what am I watching this week? Even though you watched it last week. Although I watched it last week. Listen, it's been a month. I'm lucky I remembered to cover the podcast. So I kind of like in Ahsoka, we're getting to see some of the Rebels stuff back. I really enjoyed Rebels. Oh, I loved Rebels. I didn't at first and then it really, really grew on me and the story that they told through there. Again, it's a bit like you were saying earlier on about revisiting and bringing stuff back and trying to recreate pieces of magic and things that you liked when we were talking about Power Rangers. And I really, really fear bringing these characters back to try and 
finish the story inverted commas or continue the story inverted commas whatever they're branding this as and it not being good and it being a really sad ending to these characters not sad from the storytelling point of view just the reception point of view especially when we had the sequel trilogy not getting a great reception with a lot of the fan base overall. I don't want the same thing to happen to Rebels, is my take. This looks interesting. There's obviously not enough in this trailer for you to go and pick out the entire story, but the main meat and potatoes are there, what the main theme for the season is going to be, with the Grand Admiral returning. Who is played by his voice actor. Mm. And I really liked Andor. I know some people didn't. I loved Andor. I thought they did a great job with Andor. If they do something similar and something quite interesting with this, I don't think it'll be Andor. <laughs> Just because of the way we've already seen these characters and the way it's going to be more action-y by the looks of it. Where Andor, you normally had a couple of episodes of build-up towards an episode of action. I, I don't think you're going to get that from this show. I've been reading the, all the Star Wars stuff that's on the go at the moment, so Mandalorian, The Bad Batch, probably this, are starting to lay the groundwork for attempting to fix the somehow Palpatine returned thing from the Rise of Skywalker. Apparently they're sowing the seeds for his eventual return. No, you can't fix this retroactively. It's still going to be stupid. I think you can add flavour. I would say something about the Mandalorian and the way they've been going about it. They've been slowly laying a lot of groundwork. I wouldn't quite say they're laying the groundwork for somehow Palpatine returns, because I think that's friggin' unforgivable. <laughs> However, they laid the groundwork for you see the Return of the Jedi and you go, da-da, Empire's gone. Cool. And then you start the sequel trilogy with, but then the First Order came along, which is pretty much the Empire. What's the difference? Don't know. They're about the same. What's the difference? Don't know. How the hell did people let this happen again? And you go, oh, you're getting to see that through the Mandalorian and that world that they've created in Boba Fett and all that sort of stuff. You're seeing the slow groundwork towards what that is, and I think Ahsoka is going to take you another major leap down that line. Yeah, well you have to imagine Thrawn is heavily involved in the First Order somehow. Yeah, yeah, and for people that have watched The Mandalorian, there are scenes and bits in there that absolutely are setting all of this up. There's hints through the season basically showing how inept this new Republic is and how it's just on such a sugarly nail and they just don't realise it. They're overconfident after the major victory. They think, oh, there's no way this is going to happen. Oh, we're all fight. And you're seeing that groundwork just getting laid of why people wouldn't maybe resist as much when this new order appears. You're getting a lot of... If you're getting raided with pirates all the time and no one's solving it, but then someone says, do you know what? We can do that for you. We can handle those pirates. If the Republic aren't going to do it for you. And you know how all this system of government is all falling to... We can solve that for you. You're kind of getting that bit of groundwork that's getting laid there. In a similar way to how the Bad Batch have been covering between the fall of the Jedi and everything beginning up to A New Hope and bits of that transformation. And you've got bits of that through Andor as well, further down the line. You've got a lot of that sort of stuff that's filling in these little gaps. So like I say, I don't think it's ever going to be able to properly explain and somehow Palpatine returned. That still blows my mind. It's because we didn't play Fortnite. That's why we don't understand. 
Because we didn't play Fortnite, because of course that's exactly where you go to receive your information ahead of a film. <laughs> I mean, once I get the visual encyclopedia, then I'll know further. And the tweet from the... And the tweets that explain everything. And the Wikipedia articles have been updated since <laughs> to tell us all of that. Because just the one line in the movie that somehow blew my mind. I think it lays a little bit more for that. And it's quite interesting. It's taking you into, and somehow the First Order more than and somehow Palpatine survived. Okay. And I think that plays a lot into present day, not getting into politics and whatnot, but how you go, how can suddenly this start happening again? And you have governments that don't like the Human Rights Act for some reason. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're leading up to it and somehow Palpatine survived, but we're getting there. Hey guys, this democracy thing, it's slowing us down. Bit of fascism, that will help us get things done. Everyone's like, yeah, sure. There's inefficiencies in this democracy. Wouldn't you prefer if we got stuff done faster? Don't you really hate having to take time out of your busy day to go vote? Isn't that an inconvenience? Once every four years you have to do this. Isn't that really, really nippy? Why don't we just decide amongst ourselves? And I don't know, maybe we decide we want someone to decide on our behalf as well. There's no way that could possibly go terribly wrong. It won't be like the last time, promise. Yeah, it won't be like any of those other ones. <laughs> Not like any of them. Our one will be unique. Yeah, so I'll give Ahsoka a little bit of a go. I don't know if I'm going to like it, though. Which is a shame, because I like Ahsoka as a character. And I think positioning her as possibly a significant character from here on is a good thing, because there'll be Star Wars fans that don't really know who Luke Skywalker is, because Ahsoka is what they grew up with. Because Clone Wars is, what, 20 years old or something now? <laughs> there will be fans that grew up on Ahsoka and love her for that reason. She was created for those types of fans and now they've grown up with her. So this is the right move, I think, but we'll see if it actually is any good on the back of it. Anyway, shall we move on? Let's. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Gotta say, I felt the excitement in this trailer. It's been a long <laughs> time since I watched the trailer and felt actively excited by it. This has me by the short and curlies. But it's essentially another story where a really old man needs an adventure again. The de-aging looks great. Looks like there's a lot of fun set PC stuff in there. It looks like Indiana Jones. Yeah, this looks very Indiana Jones. I am all here for it. They use Rolling Stones in the trailer. <laughs> a bit like I gave them credit earlier on for Donna Summer. I'm going to give them credit for Rolling Stones. Though the way they tried to mix it into the Indiana Jones theme towards the end didn't quite work. No. But yeah, this looks really good fun it looks like proper indiana jones is back again it means we can forget about the last one i like the last one the last one has its moments but still i'm looking forward to this it looks interesting it looks fun it looks like indiana jones please give me an indiana jones movie thank you <laughs> do you think there'll be time travel in this I, I think the dial of destiny is some kind of time travel device you get that hint because you get hitler made mistakes i'm gonna correct those mistakes or i'm gonna make sure those mistakes aren't made i've been looking for this all my life it's another one yeah which suggests time travel time changing they wouldn't use time travel to rebootify the canon I wouldn't have thought so. I don't think so, because the main thing is I'm interacting with history, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it seems like it's a time travel MacGuffin, which means that you've got the potential for a character to die at the end and then be saved by time travel. Such as Indiana Jones. Such as Indiana Jones, exactly. Maybe his old self will die and he'll be replaced with his younger self, <laughs> transposed into the 60s. His younger de-aged. I'm now young again, and I can continue looking like I did. I'm sure I sent you that meme that was a picture of CGI DH, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and then Indiana Jones. All the pieces are in place for Dave Filoni to do the worst scene ever filmed. 
<laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Your scientists were too busy thinking that they could. They never asked if they should. I'm for this, and we get to see Glasgow's an American city. We do. Let's see how they manage to CG up uh, Greg's to make it look American. Phoebe Waller-Bridge as his goddaughter, mm. who might betray him at some point, it seems. We know what we're all asking. We're all asking, where's Matt Williams? That's what we want to know, yes. Was it Matt Williams? Is that the, the name? Yes. yes, that was the name. How did I remember that? Shia LaBeouf. Forget everything else, but I've remembered that. It's somehow ingrained in my brain. I'm sure there'll be one throwaway line. Mutt died on the way back to his home planet or something. <laughs> he died? Wow. Oh, that is brutal. On the way back to his home planet. I thought you were going to say, oh, there'll be a throwaway cut to a picture on one of his desks. There'll be a picture of him and Mutt in a motorcycle or something. In the corner of a room, there'll be a photograph, an ageing photograph. There'll be one of his dad. There'll be one of him and Mutt. <laughs> no, you're not even going to put it as part of that. No, he's died. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mutt? No, he's dead. <laughs> we thought we'd get him to continue on the franchise. Turns out we were wrong. Let's just make sure that chat stops right now. <laughs> he died. He died. And we don't know where the Holy Grail is, so we can't bring him back. He was also cut into tiny pieces and spread across the earth. So we'll never find him. And then we shot him into the sun. And then the aliens took the sun away and replaced it with a brand new sun. It's all good. It's fine. It's all good. We've just made 100% sure, just in case there's <laughs> any doubt whatsoever. And that is why we must destroy the Dial of Destiny. The only way to bring him back is time travel, which is why we need to throw that into the sun. The only way to make sure there is no way for him to get back is to destroy this dial. Yep. There's your plot. There's the plot. Now we know what it's all about. We've sussed it. Yep. Moving on, you won't have any interest in this really, but I'm putting it on. I have no interest in this whatsoever. How dare you read my notes in advance? Nobody else on the podcast has any interest in this. So it doesn't matter who's on the news podcast. Whenever this comes up, I have nothing. No one's ever going to really talk to me about it. Resident Evil Death Island, latest CGI movie set in the video game universe, not the various movie or TV universes that we've had. It's the same continuity as the video games. It features the long-awaited team-up from... Characters who have previously never met. Leon, you've got Claire, you've got Chris, you've got Jill. Rebecca's there too, so it's OG Resident Evil team-up, which is quite exciting. Alcatraz as a setting is a really cool idea to get invaded by zombies and you have to get out. And it's a really confined place with not a lot of options for escape. That'd be a good setting for a video game, actually, I would think. But instead it's a CGI movie that you don't interact with. I think the animation doesn't look as good as the games actually, which is strange because normally the animated films look better. But still, I'm keen for this. I think it looks like a lot of fun. It's Resident Evil fan service, but maybe it'll be good Resident Evil fan service. I don't know. What you said. <laughs> what I said. When you went the long-awaited arrival of these characters, I think you made some of those names up to try and trick me. I made up names like Chris and Jill and Claire. Yeah, exactly. You're not very inventive. But like you said, it seemed like video game cutscene energy, but subpar video game cutscene energy somehow, despite the fact that the technology has advanced to such a state that we've all got better graphics at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if people love it, people love it. And if it provides you with joy, then I am happy for you. Good, that's all I need. Validation. <laughs> I'm glad to provide the validation. You are welcome, my friend. This next one is very, very short. Ten seconds or whatever. Godzilla X Kong, The New Empire. It confirms the title for the Godzilla Kong sequel. Why do you suppose there's an X? Does that mean a team-up? Not sure. It means a divorced. Maybe. It means Godzilla multiplied by Kong? Kong multiplied by Godzilla? Seems like a weird algebra equation. How do you solve that? They've had a weird baby. <laughs> God. Part ape, part lizard. Part nuclear lizard thing? Maybe? 
Yeah. Oh, my little abomination. It is a tiny abomination. It is a tiny Godzilla times gorilla thing. I don't know where I was going with that. I've got no idea. I didn't see Godzilla v Kong. It's crap. Exactly. You told me, don't bother, and I didn't bother. I think you said, watch the fight scenes. Yeah. If you can find a supercut of the fight scenes, watch those. Better be on YouTube. That was the suggestion. The problem with the Monsterverse is there's been one good film, and it was Kong Skull Island. The others were yeah. rubbish. We all went to see Godzilla King of the Monsters, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And we came out thinking that was a load of tripe. I liked the first comment on the video, which is in the show notes, which is, man, a teaser like this is exactly what the Monsterverse needs. <laughs> and I looked at that and I went, sure, I forgot this was still supposed to be a Monsterverse. <laughs> I forgot the Monsterverse was a thing. It's one of the last surviving cinematic universes. Yeah, because everyone forgets it's a thing. That's why. They get away with just constantly releasing these things because everyone forgets they're supposed to be related. There might still be the Apple TV Plus Monarch series. Might still be happening because everybody wants that. A TV show set in the Monsterverse with no actual monsters. That'd be great. Because what this franchise needs is more of people standing around in sterile looking dimly lit rooms with screens. I don't think they do enough of that. It sounds like our sort of budget version, which is they're looking at the screens. We don't get to see the screens. We just get to see their reaction to what's going on on the screen. Meanwhile, they just watch footage from the other films and just say, yeah, that happened. Rubbish, isn't it? It's them cleaning up after the footage from the other films. That's what it is. It's that episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but as a TV show. Exactly where I was going with it. Just they turn up after all the films and have to tidy everything up. And that means they don't need to do the big budget bit. They can just build little corners of sets. Yeah, but they've confirmed they're making another one. So, cool. Might go see it at the cinema, I don't know. I didn't bother with Godzilla vs. Kong at the cinema. It was when cinemas were reopening and... They were bringing out the stuff that was recently released on streaming just to get people in. But after sitting watching Godzilla vs. Kong on streaming, I thought, I don't want to sit through this again. Even to see the fights in IMAX. It's not enough. It's not worth it. So I didn't. And now I never will. You need to build an interesting story around the thing, and it's very difficult to make the human characters interesting when there's big monster fight scenes happening in the corner. I'm also a particular fan of when the huge, massive monster alien thing is like, screw that one guy in particular, (laughs) and just seems very vindictive about one tiny person, as if you're marching about a garden being really peeved off at one ant. Yeah, it doesn't even know you're there. I may be causing destruction for all these other ants, but I'm mainly aiming for you. Well, the problem with the human characters is they don't even try to make them interesting in most of the films. Kong Skull Island is a bit of an exception. The characters aren't especially deep, but they're larger than life and memorable, which makes them more interesting to watch. But everyone in the other, I guess, present day set films are just so bland and interchangeable, which is why you have them in conversations in these dimly lit rooms filled with screens where you have people just throwing information around and... You're sitting there thinking, how does this person know that? The only thing we know about them is that they study something that isn't this. This will probably be the same. Why would they change it? Sir, in my years of being a local veterinarian, mainly working on cats and dogs, I can say that that massive nuclear lizard is upset. (laughs) But 10 seconds or 12 seconds or whatever it is, they've confirmed it's happening. Cool. Let's move on to Fast X. I don't even know what to say about this. What is there to say? We know that Jason Momoa was there when they stole the safe, so it's another example of here's a thing that happened in the past where this villain was inexplicably. You've got Han teaming up with Statham, the man who may or may not have tried to kill him, depending which film you try and watch. Who knows anymore? (laughs) Can't wait to see how that ball bomb breaks physics. I think we see it do it in the trailer. Do we not see it magically bounce stuff out the way or... 
bounce through the middle of things. And explode, but also keep going somehow. Yeah, explode and continue. I think we see it do things that it shouldn't in the trailer, so I think we're already there. I'm just thinking now, if we get Fast X, Godzilla, X, Kong, what does that equal in algebra? X is always cool as a thing to put in a title, isn't it? Cool as a thing. So we've got Godzilla, X, Kong, X, Fast X. Godzilla versus Fast and Furious. It's a car with nitros that's bred with a mutant nuclear lizard and a gorilla. But it needs to win this race in order to get its girl's love and reunite its family. Usual behind-the-scenes drama going on with this. Apparently, Vin Diesel spends most of his scenes with Michelle Rodriguez because he either doesn't like people or they don't like him. I'm not sure which. But apparently, he doesn't share a lot of screen time with other people. Okay. And there will be a vertical quarter-mile race. So there'll be a drag race, but vertically. Which is strangely not the stupidest thing they've done. No, but it sounds like they need to go to another level. So vertical drag race. Well, okay. I'm there for vertical drag race. Why not? I wonder if him racing down the dam is that vertical drag race. I don't know. Oh, could be. But yeah, it looks like a Fast and Furious film, and I don't really like Fast and Furious films. It's vertical drag race going downwards, not just falling. Anyway, carry on. No, because the wheels are touching the thing. The wheels are touching the sides. Okay, fine, I'll let you have it. You can't go faster than terminal velocity, Vin Diesel. Isn't this just falling, sir? Getting to see Jason Momoa in this? Great. I like Jason Momoa. I think Jason Momoa is a lot of fun. People that know the fast canon as what it is say that it makes no sense. But I like Jason Momoa. I've got to admit this on the podcast as well. I've not watched all the Fast and Furious movies. I gave up. But I've been told I gave up before they got good. (laughs) So now I've got to eat my words. I would contest that. (laughs) I don't think they ever got good. It's a bit like saying, well, once you've had four glasses of wine, if <laughs> one goes down rather well, once you get past the taste and the everything about it, you'll love it. People suggest that five is when it starts getting good. I don't think so. Okay. Five is when it starts getting really stupid, but I don't consider that good. Okay, but does that make it good? Because it just completely embraces the stupidity of the whole thing? or You're talking about a franchise that started with a film where Vin Diesel's character is trying to steal DVD video combis. Yes. That's what he's after. That's his goal in the first film. Steal those. And now he's driving down the side of a dam. I'll see this because I guess Isaac really wants to see it. <laughs> oh, you're blaming Isaac? Yeah, I'm going to blame Isaac him. doesn't deserve the blame for this. We all went to see Hobbs and Shaw, remember? That was dreadful. We did see Hobbs and Shaw. This is the beginning of the end of the franchise, is it not? Or this is how they're trying to build this? There's supposedly one more after this. There's one more after this one, okay. Maybe I should get into it now for the finale without watching any of the others so that all the dramatic reveals of people that should be dead, shouldn't be dead, shouldn't return, should return. When they return, I will be the only person in the room that's not gasping. What you could do is you could just sit and watch all nine Fast and Furious films two days before you watch the 10th one, and by the time you watch the 10th one, you're just done with it. You're just saturated. I have the feeling it would be like watching Avengers Endgame, but not having watched anything else in the MCU. Well, no, because in Avengers Endgame, it matters what the story is, where in Fast it doesn't. All right, okay. You could sit down and watch Fast 10 and probably be fine if that was your first Fast movie. The lore isn't all that complicated. Okay. Anyway, that's coming out next month. Not too far away. Let's move on to a super short teaser again, My Adventures with Superman, which survived the culling. I didn't think it did, but it did. Jack Quaid voicing Superman. The trailer, such as it is, looks pretty good. The animation's pretty cool. I feel like Jack Quaid will have a disarming, friendly Superman voice. So yeah, I'll watch this. This cartoon. Yeah, I think it'll be fun as Clark Kent. I think it'll be fun as Superman. I was 
pleasantly surprised. It's a very small little tease. It's not really setting up that much. It's just obviously some bits that they've already got in the can that they've put together to act as a reveal trailer thing. I think it's good. I didn't realise that Adult Swim did this kind of stuff, but that just shows what I know about TV. I think it might just be where it ended up rather than them making it. Like with that Batman one that ended up at Amazon, I think it was. It wasn't going to be on Max or HBO Max, so they just shopped it around and someone else took it. I would have loved it if it had been Disney, Batman or Superman <laughs> on Disney+. Plus. Just to properly confuse everything, yeah, yeah. You agent of chaos, you. <laughs> this one isn't really a teaser. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It also feeds into a news item that we were going to talk about anyway. Harry Potter It's basically a signifier that they're going to be making a Harry Potter TV series, which is just the films again, but... One film per season, which I guess Harry Potter nerds will lap up because it gives them all that time to flesh out the stuff in the books that wasn't included in the films because they were very long, but not long enough to put all that stuff in. And I'm wondering about this, actually, because there's a few schools of thought on how this might do. One of which is, why would you support J.K. Rowling by watching this? Because she's horrible. Fine. But let's push that aside. Let's separate the art from the artist. Let's talk about how these Harry Potter films are beloved by kids who still watch them growing up or people that grew up with them. And you had some pretty indelible casting in there. How are you going to beat Alan Rickman as Snape in this version? Mm. Also, they're advertising it with the imagery and the music from the films. It shows that they're aware of that popularity. But also, eight years of this... They want to do one book per season. They're just saying for the next, it'll probably be the next 10 years to think about it because we're only starting to think about it now. It'll be at least a year or two before it starts coming out. That's eight years of television that you're committing yourself to. I know you were committing yourself to, what, 12, 14 years of films or whatever it was, but you weren't really because they were just coming out. It's a fascinating one. I was having a conversation with my sister who very much loves the Harry Potter universe and the books and everything. She's got such fond memories of being read the books when she was younger and reading them herself and rereading them and watching the film. She was the right age bracket for them. By the time the last set of books were coming out, the last two or three, I was probably a bit older for them. It used to be that I would get the book first and then I would give it to my sister or she would get it read to her. So you weren't midnight in Waterstones or whatever? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't like that. By the end, Suzanne was reading the books before I would read them. I was like, I'm willing to wait if you want to read them first and she definitely did. And we had really similar discussion to what you were just saying the other day, which is how do you beat that original cast both the kids who have grown into pretty amazing adults as well when you think of the absolute guesswork that goes into casting kids that group have done really really well for themselves coming out the other side none of them have been particularly terrible none of them have gone off the rails he says touching there we go yeah the guy who played Mafloy was in the flash remember that <laughs> apart from that one misstep we all make mistakes and then you've got the teacher cast who were just full of british acting legends of stage and screen. Basically, anyone who was anyone was in it. How do you even approach a recasting of that? It's so close to those original films that there's going to be direct comparisons between, oh, you had this, now you've got this, whatever the new this might be. You had Maggie Smith, you've now got this. You had Robbie Coltrane, now you've got this. It seems so close. This seems too soon to me. You've got an entire wizarding world that you can do a TV show on. You could do Potter's 
parents and then you've still got the opportunity to pull in your Order of the Phoenix, you've still got the opportunity to have Snape, you can go anywhere with that, kind of. And I wouldn't even make that TV show about Potter's parents, I would put another pupil in there and make them your protagonist and all the other stuff's going on around them because then it gives you free reign to do whatever you want to do with that character without impacting on wider events. You've got that sort of third eye view of the whole thing that you could use, which would be really interesting. I find it really strange to go, oh, by the way, we're going to just do this. Especially with the first set of books because the first set of books are not particularly big. Now, with the later ones, they became mighty tomes. They were quite big. And you could go, yeah, there was stuff that was missing with this and that, and they didn't really get the in-depth of this thing. They only covered that lightly, or that was in the background, or this was just talked about but never shown, da-da-da. Okay, in the later ones. But the early ones, the ones that you're going to be starting with when you're trying to build an audience for the show, a lot of that was already on screen. I know that you were saying, oh, they were missing this and missing that. I can't really think of a lot that they were missing in the early films. There'll be detail that people wanted to see that wasn't there, but you can't do that because you can't translate that into a cinematic thing. But yeah, the first couple of books are, what, 200-something pages or something? They're not huge. Yeah, they're not huge. Then you're getting into the, okay, you're not really adding detail, you're now drawing stuff out, or you're trying to add extra viewpoints that you didn't get in the book because you were seeing most of it from Harry's perspective. So you get to cut between different characters for a bit and try and fill in bits of story that maybe weren't there and build up. I just don't get why you would do this now. It seems too soon. Season one, it takes half a season to get to... Hogwarts. Yeah. You're talking about your first episodes being Harry in a cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> you're not going to get to Hogwarts until you're saying like three, four episodes in. I think it might be further than that. Here's the episode where he goes to the zoo and talks to a snake. Great. Yeah, that's an entire episode. That's an entire day out that we're going to build up. Now, you might make that interesting by cutting away to some other stuff that isn't Harry to try and magic it up a bit and try and add context and maybe do a bit of Ron or a bit of Hermione or a bit of whichever other character that you want to run about with for a bit or other adventures, invent other adventures. But that's not really doing, oh, we're doing the books in more detail. That's we are adding other stuff to fill this out because we've not actually got enough of these early books. And I don't think folk will like that either. Yeah, you could have this weird tipping point between the early seasons and the later seasons where the early seasons spin it out too much and the later seasons don't have enough time for everything because those books are like 800 pages long. Yeah, the later seasons, suddenly they're having to cut stuff out, whereas the early seasons, they were having to add extra fluff in to try and fill it out a bit. Unless they do very short first seasons and build up to bigger second and third and fourth seasons or whatnot. You've got the potential of that. Imagine signing on now. Like I said about casting the original kids, signing on now, you're talking about eight years of television, you're talking about the kids in Game of Thrones, for example, and things like that where they grow up fast. The kids in Stranger Things is your other example of TV shows rattling on and kids growing up and trying to work around that. So you need to film fast because your kids are going to potentially grow out of these roles in a way and trying to get kids to sign up for that long a piece of work is difficult. Add into that the fact that when Harry Potter was originally filming and getting released, it was before social media was the thing it is now. Yes. It was very much before all of that and all the great and terrible things that social media does. 
that's why I'm slightly on edge about this being a thing. Because there's a lot of toxicity around Potter at the moment because of the creator and trying to separate creator and creation and all that sort of stuff, whichever side of any arguments that you may lie on. So putting child actors into that at the moment, that universe being what it is, the fact that J.K. Rowling very much still has her mitts on what story she wants to tell and what they want to put in it, I would have been far happier with going off in a different direction before revisiting the books. I think there's so much else you could do there that would still be really interesting, would still get people that are fans of Harry Potter interested in watching it, would still get people that are interested in that world to watch without it being redoing the films but TV now. Yeah, I agree. I know it's a very short announcement and I've probably went on for way longer than you expected, but... No, no, it's very valid. That's my take of the whole thing. It just seems strangely too soon. I don't know when I would say, okay, now you can do it. The films are not precious to me in that way that other content is. Oh no, I don't like the films, but I understand they're popular and that people love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely understand that. Exactly. That's where I'm coming from. And that's why I think it's maybe too quick to go for this go and explore something else for five seasons of television and at the end of those five seasons if you want to revisit the books have at it but doing something original is hard and it's easier to just redo the same thing you already did oh it's difficult and we don't know if there's a ready built thing what if they don't like what we do what if they don't like it and you could have the case where the creator has been pitched a bunch of we want to do a harry's parents show and they went nah no, no, you can't. All right, okay, fine. We want to do a young Dumbledore. No, okay, fine. We want to go and explore what the Wizarding World is just like in general, but set it in the 60s and groovy hippie times. No, all right, okay. We want to redo the original films, but in TV. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> fine, we'll do that then. Eight years of that. Look forward to that. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Short teaser for The Penguin that just announces that it's in production. There's a little bit of new footage and some footage from the Batman. I don't have much to say on this other than I'm not that interested in it, but doing Batman villains without Batman is something that works, financially at least, so we're getting this. One question I will always have if I ever watch this show, which I probably won't, is where's Batman? What's he up to while all this is happening? <laughs> where is Batman? Please tell us where is Batman. I forgot this was a thing still. It's because it's been cancelled and revived and cancelled and revived so many times yeah it's been this isn't happening it is happening i've sort of lost track and then i went oh okay we were getting gotham pd then we weren't then we are again it's called something else or whatever i don't know also don't care yeah it's not going to be gotham pd it's now going to focus on xyz instead it's not the same show that we were originally pitching we've done work on it and we've decided it's not a thing but it is this i liked Corin farrell in the film with pattinson i thought they did okay with the character does it justify an entire tv show I don't know. They've got a good cast in there. They've got Churaga Dashlu in there, who was in The Expanse, who I like a lot. I don't know how big a part she plays in the whole thing, but I like seeing her appear in that. They seem to have got some interesting people involved, which I hope means... <laughs> I always say is, I hope that means there's something in it. <laughs> you think to draw people in, but then sometimes it is just, a job's a job. Sometimes it's just, wow, that's a lot of money. Wow, was that money? <laughs> sure, I will read these four lines. Wasn't it Michael Caine that talked about a film that he was in that was really bad and he said, yeah, but the house that it bought was amazing. <laughs> that does sound like a proper good line, yeah. John Cleese doing his Almany tour and stuff like that. And this is exactly what I'm doing this for. <laughs> 
you should see the holiday. I had a great holiday. But yeah, sometimes when I see actors and I think I'm like, okay, well, this must have something because they don't need to do this unless they want their new house or their lovely holiday. <laughs> it might be interesting. I don't like the way some of this has been handled with certain things that have been cancelled over at the Warner Brothers DC land and things that have continued. I've questioned a lot of it, why certain decisions have been made, and it's peeved me off. But maybe I'll give this a chance. I probably won't. Not super interested. Another DC thing, though, Blue Beetle. We have a trailer for that. This might be the start of James Gunn's DCU. No idea. I guess wait and see how it does. I really like this. I think this looks a lot of fun. The design of the suit is really cool. It looks really alien. You'd get an Iron Man vibe because he has a tech suit and you can talk to it, but it's an alien tech suit. I don't think it's doing anything particularly original or super interesting, but it looks like it's just having fun with the concept. Jaime looks like a decent character. Big Belly Burger's in the trailer. Arrowverse. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm keen for this. I think I'll have a lot of fun with it. It looks sort of fun. This transition scene when he's putting on the suit for the first time and it's sort of bursting out his back. All these horror-ish elements to it where it's bursting out the clothes and the shoes and everything are flying everywhere. But it looks really good fun. It just looks like they're having fun with it. And I'm like, okay, that's probably what this film needs for me to get into it. It's all the other paraphernalia that they put around it that may put me off. Because the rest of it looks quite predictable from the trailer. He cuts a bus in half and whatever. But he cuts a bus in half, exactly. I was all for it and then he cut a bus in half and then I was like, too far, man, too far. Don't cut buses in half, it's bad. We should be encouraging people to public transport. <laughs> it looks fun. It looks like some of that, I'm going to say early MCU energy. <laughs> and I don't know if I like that phrasing. I'm going to stick with it. It's got some of that early MCU energy to it, where it seems to not be taking itself too seriously. It seems that they're enjoying it. It's got that sort of tone, and I might like that. Yeah, superhero film that has fun. There's a novelty. Superhero fun. That's why I like Shazam so much. It's one of the reasons I like Shazam so much. Mm. Nice breath of fresh air and a pretty grim landscape. We'll see. Speaking of superhero fun, we have another trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse that gives you a bit of a sense of what the main theme idea that they're going to be playing with over the film is they know what they're doing they did the what's up danger in the trailer which is iconic at this point isn't it everybody who loves the first one remembers that moment mm -hmm. and they've put that in the trailer i love how stupid the spot is as a villain both in the comics and in this film i'm guessing that spider-man 2099 won't be a villain he's just aware of the big picture and that's why he comes into opposition with miles you get peter b parker who's moved on he has a kid which is nice. But yeah, it seems that the film's geared around the heroic choice, one person or the world. And that's very Spider-Man. Very keen for this. The film's going to be about Miles forging his own path. Very, very keen. I agree with you. It looks fun. I really enjoyed the first Spider-Verse film. The animation style in it was fantastic. This looks like it's leaning on that as well. We have got a lot of Spider-People, as I think we've discussed on one of the previous news ones, or I just imagined it to myself. All of the ones when they did all these different teaser trailer stuff, pictures that just include so many different spider people. So yeah, looks lots of fun. Yeah, there's a reference to the MCU. They talk about the nerd and Doctor Strange, the trouble they caused in the multiverse. And I'm wondering if the pointing meme has now played out. <laughs> Stop doing the pointing Stop meme, it. people. There's no point to the pointing meme now. Well, they even did it with the live action Spider-Man for the now we can market that all three Spider-Men are in this film portion of the marketing tour. And Toby Maguire looked like he would prefer to be almost anywhere else when they were shooting that picture. <laughs> I think it's about time to let the pointing meme die. 
I think this is the ultimate version of it, isn't it? Yeah. You don't get bigger than this one. So I think I'll give them it in this. Don't say that. That's a challenge. You've challenged them. Challenge. We will now have two million spider people pointing. You can freeze frame this and you can zoom in on your favourite Spider-Man pointing at your other favourite Spider-Man. I don't think it'll happen anywhere else. I think you're more likely now that that meme is a thing, you're more likely to get other characters doing it that aren't Spider-People. Like if you get a multiverse version of other characters, they'll do the point thing. I don't think you'll get it again in a Spider-Man thing. I think it'll just get played out in other formats where you get multiverse versions of characters next to each other and they all point to each other. I think it'll just become a thing that way. Let's hope not. Anyway, let's move on to the MCU approaching the end of our trailers. Lots of trailers this month. Secret Invasion. It's a funny one, this. It's a grounded story about paranoia and trust and all that stuff, and it looks like it's more in line with something like The Winter Soldier than it is something else. And part of me wonders if this story is going to lose something by not having the Avengers in it. Because in the comics, it was about who's a scroll, which Avengers a scroll, etc., etc. But this, it seems like it's more of a which politicians a scroll type story, which isn't uninteresting in itself. And shortly before the TV series comes out, you'll be able to hear Aaron and I discussing the episodes of the Avengers cartoon that adapted Secret Invasion. The connection between that cartoon and the TV show will be slim at best. But it was a good excuse to wake that up and have a chat about that. So we did that. That'll be appearing probably early June. Watch out for it. It looks cool, though. A Nick Fury-led project is really appealing. It'd be cool to see him take the reins on something. This whole one last fight thing. It's definitely not one last fight, as we'll see when we talk about the next trailer. I wonder if they're going to do some kind of someone has been a scroll all along type story. I really hope they don't do that because that would just be stupid. Although I did think to myself, wouldn't it be funny if Terrence Howard walks out of one of the pods as Rhodey from the first Iron Man film and says, didn't anybody notice this guy's not me? <laughs> I kind of want to see that be a thing now. There was a Disney CEO that talked about they can just recast Rhodey because no one will notice, which is <laughs> obviously a horribly racist thing to say, but they would never do it, and that's why I can laugh about it. Yeah, I kind of get what you're saying, Winter Sh- Soldier vibes about this. It looks like it's taking itself quite seriously, which is a different tone from a lot of the Marvel TV things that we've had recently. Yeah, but remember Quantumania had no jokes in the trailer, or less jokes in the trailer. Yeah, I guess, but this doesn't look like it's going to be riddled with gags. I imagine there'll be odd bits of sarcasm and whatnot through it, but I don't think it's going to be riddled with one-liners or silly noises or whatnot. There's not going to be characters talking about how many holes people have or anything, apart from when they're counting bullet wounds from Nick Fury's <laughs> rage. Like you say, it seems like it's a lot of political intrigue and manipulation, and you've got a, a lot of the lines like, since you've been gone, things have gone bad, and now, oh, you're here to fix them, oh, you're too late, it's already too gone. It's all terrible. It's all screwed, Nick. It's your fault. It's all screwed, Nick. It's all your fault. You were away holidaying on a spaceship or whatever the hell you were doing the last time we saw you so it's all your fault mate you're not going to want to know what talos did when he was pretending to be you yeah you left a rubbish duplicate in charge and they let all sorts of stuff happen you won't believe (laughs) absolutely screwed up on your watch so yeah you're gonna get bits of that but it looks quite interesting i'm very intrigued the only thing that has undercut this slightly for me is the trailer that we're about to talk about next where it then cuts to a more happy-go-lucky comedy nick fury 
where you go, well, obviously the outcome of this TV show isn't too bad because he seems quite happy in the next thing. Unless the Marvels are set before that. Unless it's set before it, which is fair enough. It probably was intended to because of how many times it's moved release date. Potentially. Remember when Multiverse of Madness came out after No Way Home and they had to add a reshoot line where Doctor Strange talks about that adventure he had with Spider-Man with the multiverse. How weird was that? Mm. Mm. So that brings us on naturally to the Marvels. I think it looks fine. I'm a bit wary of Marvel after Quantumania, but I think it looked kind of fun. It'd be good to see Aman Vellani again because Ms. Marvel was a delight. Ms. Marvel was great. So yeah, Seeing her back in this, I'm like, yes, let's go for it. I kind of felt it was a bit of a shame that they rushed through so much story in that, presumably so that the character was in the correct state that they needed for this film. And it meant that they kind of had to run at some stuff in the TV show that I think they would have taken their time at a bit more and would have benefited from that. That'd be my guess. That's my guess. Don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they would run at it anyway. Who knows? But still, this looks fun. It looks different. It's very colourful. It seems quite jokey. So, yeah, I think I'm for this. Though, like you've said, the last few Marvel films have left me a bit whelmed. I wouldn't say I was underwhelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was whelmed. (laughs) I was just like, okay, I guess. That's fine. And we're a week away from Guardians as we record, so we don't know what we think of that yet. Oh, yeah, we don't know what we think of Guardians yet. Is that only a week away? So, yeah, a week away. Yeah, nearly there. It is only a week away. Anyway, let's move on to... Isaac, what are you doing here? What have you done with Chris? I don't know. I was just in a radio booth in Leith. (laughs) People kept phoning in. I think every time we podcast, it must be causing some sort of blip. What were you doing in a radio booth in Leith? That's where Chris works, isn't it? Does he work in a radio booth? Neither of those things. What was Chris doing in a radio booth in Leith? That's a question that I'll have to ask him when we go back to him. If we can go back to him. If we can. Well, since you're here, I just finished chatting about the trailer for The Marvels with Chris. And it's so convenient because... It seems like that's something that you might have an opinion about. It's one of my two things. Isaac has an opinion. is a rare but celebrated feature of this podcast. Yeah. This is not a Doctor Who-based bit. It's the Captain Marvel-based bit. It's the other thing that you like. The yeah. other thing I like. We have a long awaited trailer for the Marvels. What do you think? It looks very fun. Not too serious, not too epic. There's a bit of a problem. It's all got a bit cosmic and it's just one of those sort of thrown together team having to work together sort of situation. So yeah, it seems really fun. Yeah, it's quite an eclectic team as well because you've got Carol Danvers who, well, she's something. There's something about her. We don't really know her that well despite the fact she's appeared, is it four times now? Yes, but not much because she's only in a little bit in Endgame and a little bit in a post-credits in one of them. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Shang-Chi. So we don't know much about the MCU one. And it looks like this time she seems to be on a bit more fun compared to the first one. She wasn't fully herself. So now we get to see standard Carol numbers without any memory chip or whatever it was they had in the first one. And it looks like Brie Larson seems to be getting a bit more fun stuff to do. Looks like it should be a good mix between her and the, the other actors. <laughs> whose names I've forgotten. Tiona Paris and Amanda Valani. She has a great costume. It's the same one that we saw at the end of Ms. Marvel, I think. The more simplified, because I think Marvel tends to be a bit of over-designed sometimes with their costumes. And now this one's just the red bit at the top, the star, blue. Not too overcomplicated, not too nano-techy or whatever, just a suit. And then in contrast, you have Ms. Marvel's over-designed, stupid new costume exactly. that she doesn't need because we only saw her wear her actual costume in one episode of her own tv show 
Yeah, and we also get a brief glimpse of another costume as well that looks a bit more extra bit and extra techno stuff. And it seems like Monica's wearing a riff on her own costume or she's just wearing white and it looks kind of like her costume. I think so. She is Photon. Photon or Captain Marvel or whatever. She's a few names, but outside of her appearance in WandaVision, I don't know much about her version of the character. Other than she likes to touch strange energy sources. Yeah, that's a bad habit of hers. What else do we have? We have Big Energy Thing, Sam Jackson's back, which I know some people are kind of upset about because only about a week before there was a trailer where he was like, this is it, this is my last mission. This is all lead up to this. And now he's just, yeah, whatever, that was fine. Maybe this is set before Secret Invasion. It could be set before. Probably isn't, but it could be. In fact, it probably was supposed to be, if you think about when it was actually supposed to come out. Well, yeah, because it was supposed to come out earlier, yeah, so it may have been meant to be set beforehand. I'm sure they'll, at the end of the film, they'll be like, well, I want to go off and do this other thing. Oh, look, there's scrolls invading. I better tend to that. Oh, the scrolls are invading. My scroll alert on my phone is going on. <laughs> I'm guessing Samuel Jackson will be in very little of the film. It seems like he's just there to get things going. So we got a bit of Earth stuff, mostly around the Sabre station and then around Miss Marvel's family. I looked up Sabre and there is no counterpart in the comics. No, I think there's because it was Sword, isn't there? Which is a WandaVision, but they turned out to be a bit sus or a bit corrupt. MCU loves making their Shield and Sword have corrupt leaders. We need to do some security there. I can't keep up with what Nick Fury's doing or who he's affiliated with these days because he just seems to be... Everywhere, yet not tied down to anything anymore. Yeah, he's like a contractor. He just turns up. (laughs) (laughs) And he's famous somehow, even though he made his... Well, not his name. He's a spy. As Tony Stark would say, he's the spy. But Kamala Khan knows who he is. Kamala Khan knows who he is. But I mean, this could be a later thing. He could have met her. There's a scene in the trailer where they go to the Khan residence in Jersey City. That could be pre-the scene in space, for all we know. That's true. Trying to think what else we get in the trailer. Goose is back. Yes, and other flurkins. There's quite a lot of other ones. And other flurkin, or maybe just some cats. Yeah, they might just be cats. I think that'd be quite funny if everyone's scared of just a load of cats. We get a new accuser. We do. I looked up because they've announced the name of the character. So this is Zowie Ashton playing... Oh, so I can't report on her playing undisclosed mystery role anymore. No, she's playing a character called Dar Ben. A Cree general. From the looks of it... It's one of these super minor characters that they just stole their name for. Could be anyone. We'll just use that name. Yeah, they're just using a Cree name. Yeah, so she is a Cree general, according to a synopsis that Disney have put out. Possibly a new accuser. Possibly, yeah. She has the big stick, the accusing stick. Yep. She may actually accuse someone, unlike her predecessor. She might accuse someone of something. And she also appears to have the other gin bracelet from Miss Marvel. I'm assuming she'll be the main baddie. But as usual, she'll just be a forgettable antagonist that we all come out of the film saying, yeah, she was there, but rubbish. Yeah, it tends to be Marvel's jow. It's only really Spider-Man that has... This is all outside of the MCU, but Marvel comics in general. I've been reading Captain Marvel comics, and I can't name any of the villains, because they're just random Kree or random Hitman or whatever. And they wasted the great intelligence, really, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Is that what it's called in this? Or is that Doctor Who? I think it's the great intelligence or the supreme intelligence. One of the two. One of those. Yeah, we've not seen much of Captain Marvel, but we kind of left her in the 90s going against the Kree intelligence. And I'm assuming by now she's probably sorted that. Probably. One question I had for you is... Yes? You're a big fan of Captain Marvel, possibly the biggest, certainly that I know. 
because she's not super popular in the MCU. Not super popular. For some reason, people decide that they don't like Brie Larson, even though she hasn't really done anything wrong. Like most things in online culture, she's either the Antichrist or the greatest hero or god of all time. The truth is somewhere in between. Just happens to be an actress that is in some movies. Yeah, but how do you feel about her second film, which possibly should have been another solo outing, being this team-up with what seems to be split focus? I think originally I was a little more worried about shifting the focus away, but this trailer's kind of giving me a bit more hope again. I mean, the two things I was worried about is, I know I said in this podcast, after the movie came out, I really enjoyed the first one, but I think I watched it again over lockdown, and I was like, actually, it's not very good. It's a bit bland, and they don't really give her much character. Usually in her comic story, she's her own worst enemy because she is very stubborn and incredibly powerful and those two things don't work together very well. Which is why they keep giving her a squad so that she has to learn how to calm down a bit. She tends to have to have a squad, yeah, or she tends to be working with her friends very closely. And then seeing this trailer, I was a bit worried at first. It's Captain Marvel 2, but in the way where occasionally she'll radio in and be like, you guys okay? I was worried it mostly going to be Miss Marvel and Monica Rambeau, but they seem to be gelling together really well. Pretty much all of her scenes in this trailer are kind of comedic. I think there's one bit when they crash in and she's frustrated little panic. Or her little tantrum. Yeah, tiny little tantrum. At some point she appears to be undercover in some festival. This is like, this movie they're just going like, well, it's going to have a lot of fun. Three characters sort of connected. Well, I'm assuming, because obviously in Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan's hero worships Captain Marvel, but in the trailer, she's not that fussed. So I'm assuming they'll have a bit of, oh my gosh-ness. You would imagine so, yeah. When she meets her, there'll probably be a bit of a... Yeah, there'll be a bit of a starstruck sense. Some fangirling. Yeah, some fangirling going on. But also, again, like you said, this Captain Marvel, isn't, no one really knows much about her because she's not been on Earth much, so a lot of it will be rumours and stories. She's Kamala's favourite superhero after doing, as far as she knows, one thing. She did one thing. I suppose she did a bit of exploding in Endgame. Well, that's the one thing I'm talking about. I can imagine that the exploits in the 90s aren't public knowledge. That's true, yeah. Other than she just attacks a woman on a train, which is not very heroic. So yeah, it's mostly going to be from the endgame stuff. It's an odd world where we're going in. We don't know how well-known this character is compared to an Iron Man or Spider-Man that relatively universal. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite thing that Marvel seem to be doing now with their characters. They seem to be giving them this cachet that they haven't quite earned in some cases. Yeah. In phase one, it's we have this huge build-up to the Avengers. You know who these people are. And then in phase two, they're building on that. People really know who they are because the Avengers has happened. And phase three, it's a continuation of that. But now it's Captain Marvel's super famous somehow. But how <laughs> did that happen? Yeah, it's the level of fame that they have in real life. Same with Ant-Man in Quantumania where he's got a book out and stuff. Again, that makes sense because he's been around for long enough. Yeah, he's been around, but also his whole get-up is he's either tiny or he's got his suit on and stuff. But Scott Lang's not like a Tony Stark sort of character. No. He's not been in the public eye sort of thing. No, he tries to force himself into the spotlight in a way by releasing a book and so on. Yeah. So you can understand why he would be well-known because he's been around long enough to be well-known. But Yeah. Carol's not been around. She's been in space the whole time. No, she's not been around, but... It tends to be that the audience know it, and it's kind of getting a bit confused. Oh, the audience knows our adventures? Well, not really, because 
not done much in the book she lived in new york for a bit and she has way more earth adventures she's an avenger yeah she's in the avengers she's had three different identities i think probably more definitely ms marvel definitely warbird and definitely captain marvel those are three that she's had yes that i know of like you say there's likely more but yeah when you were saying a fan of captain marvel i started reading it from captain marvel onwards but my other big problem with Marvel is it's a giant soap opera and occasionally be like, this whole thing that happened in this comic in the 70s that no one's read will show up. Well, never read Avengers 200 where she becomes the mother of a time-travelling being who gives birth to himself or something. Don't read anything in the 70s. Just don't go back. And when she was either Ms. Marvel or Warbird, she had problems with alcoholism as well. Yeah, that's been a thing. Also... The reason Rogue has the same powers is because she held on for too long and permanently absorbed a lot of Ms. Marvel's powers, Carol Danvers' power. Yeah, that's a whole... Again, this is all audience expectations, but I think people wanted to see Rogue in this because obviously the X-Men are coming and that sort of stuff's coming. Marvel movies at the moment, it's getting a bit dangerously towards advertising the next thing. The same in the Doctor Strange scene where you get, oh, and here's some X-Men and here's Reed Richards and stuff. In some ways that was advertising the previous thing as well because here's Patrick Stewart, here's Anson Mount, even though everybody hated Inhumans. Yeah, but I think more in the sense of, yes, we have the Fantastic Four now, we've got the X-Men, we're doing stuff. Say that now, these characters could be showing up, but I quite like that this appears in the same sense as a Guardians movie. It's just a big old adventure. Get to some weird space places... It's not too wrapped up in the multiverse stuff, whatever's going on. I'm a bit behind on the multiverse, but it also sounds like no one really knows. You haven't missed that. Yeah, it's not a very clear map of what's happening. It's just different dimensions of going haywire. Yeah. Well, I think this looks fun. I think the trailer is okay. Am I just a bit more wary of Marvel at the moment after Quantumania? And this has been delayed five times. There's been reshoots happening. There's all sorts of production stuff. So that leads me to worry about the fact that it's going to be some kind of patchwork mess when we actually see it. Maybe. There's always those sort of worries. I mean, it was pointedly delayed after Quantumania didn't do very well. Yeah, because it was originally supposed to be June or July. Yeah. Obviously, reading between the lines, because we don't know for sure, but it suggests that they want to take some time and try and fix it. Yeah. And it could be for its benefit sometimes. I've especially seen a few of them where people have been like, oh, these effects are not amazingly stellar, or this looks like it's filmed in the, what's it called, the big... The volume. The volume, yeah. If it looks a bit volumey, so maybe they're like, well, just hold it back. Maybe also, say, with Ant-Man and then Guardians next month. That's three movies in the first half of the year, pretty much. March, May, July. Yeah, there's all that chat from Kevin Feige about, we need to focus on quality, not quantity. Yeah. There seems to be an acknowledgement that Yes, we have been bombarding you with all this stuff. Yes, it might also be a case. Let's just move things back. A bit of more breathing space between movies. And also, then if they do need to clean it up or they need to reshoot stuff or any behind-the-scenes stuff, they can fix up as well. So it's not like a Blade situation where it's like, we're still making it. Trust us. We haven't started filming, but it'll be fine. (laughs) Certainly from my point of view, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Iman Vellani's Kamala Khan again. I thought she was a delight. I thought she was a great addition she was great. She was easily the star of the show, of her own show. And it was very impressive because I think that's her first acting job as well. Yeah, definitely. She clearly loves it. Yeah. She's super into it. Certainly in the trailer, some of the delivery that she did was a bit off, such as when she sees Nick Fury. There's just something a bit funny about the line delivery of, oh, hi, Nick Fury, is this an Avengers test? And then her, oh my God, when 
Goose eats all the people. Oh yeah, Goose eats all the people. Yeah, I'm just going from what we saw in the show, and, and everyone's warm to her quite a lot as well. Same with Monica Rambeau. To a lesser extent, yeah, because remember, for most of Division, she wasn't herself. Yeah, it was only really in the second half of it. They left her on a, not a cliffhanger, but there was a whole thing with, was it something about a physicist or something? <laughs> Somebody wanted to see her. Yeah, she was reaching out to a physicist friend who was building a tank that could go inside the hex, and it disintegrated and everybody thought the physicist was going to be Reed Richards and it wasn't. Just some dude. (laughs) Anybody was thinking, yes, we'll introduce the MCU's Reed Richards in a random episode of WandaVision. He's just fixing a car. It's just never going to happen, is it? No. Try to think of anything else there isn't in the trailer. I think some of the locations looks kind of bland. That's a little bit of Attack of the Clones, isn't it? Yeah. The cream. Or maybe Cree, maybe whatever world. But also, say, compared to the quantum realm, sometimes it's a bit overly noisy and it's a bit much where it looks relatively physical. So when it's like stone steps and balconies and plants and stuff, it feels a bit more of a, a space. I heard one of the complaints about Quantumania is because it's a tiny, tiny little world. There's no registrable thing of a certain size in our universe or whatever. I heard that a lot of it was difficult to tell any sort of scales or any sense of locations or what those places in it were and stuff. There's some of that, yeah. Obviously, you can tell that a house is the size of a house. And yeah. You get that sense. But there is a scene in Quantumania where Cassie and Scott go in for a hug and they're supposedly giant, but the background just looks the same. Yeah, but because they're two giant people and it's just the starry map or whatever, it's like just two people on a hug. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't really have that problem here. I do hope that they spend a bit more time developing Carol, though, because, as you've said repeatedly, she's a far more interesting character than the MCU has allowed her to be. Exactly, yeah. When you're doing your trailer for your action movie, you don't have the scene where they're just sat in the, the spaceship or whatever, just sort of having a chat. Same with Monica Rambeau as well. Hopefully they have space to slow down and get to know the, the MCU versions of these characters, because... Yeah, they are really fun. I love Catherine, which is great. It doesn't have the advantage of being in the Avengers sandwich this time. Yeah. So there's nothing surrounding it to boost it. So that'll be interesting to see how that performs. Yeah, may also be a reason they moved it to November. Bit quiet. <laughs> Bit quieter zone. Yeah, it's not going to go against Indiana Jones or whatever. Disney going against their own thing. Yeah, it will be fun to see how it does. Now, it's not part of a cliffhanger to another thing. It's no longer set in the past. There's no constraints it's in the present you know except between the two movies a lot of people like no we wanted to learn about the little i forgot the old-fashioned name for the beepers yeah the pagey we wanted to know about that we're still seeing half the avengers dying we want some clues and stuff whereas this is just like yeah it's just an adventure movie now just do whatever we want yeah we'll see how it pans out come november yeah we'll probably get at least another trailer before then yeah probably another trailer but it's nice to get a bit of a teaser towards something yeah it's an awful lot of fun Well, I'm glad you're looking forward to it. Let's hope your enthusiasm can inspire us all. I'll say my best. So how do we get Chris back? I guess I have to say something podcasty like, yeah! Is that something podcasty? I don't know, I'm gone, I'm Chris now. (laughs) You'll have to make that noise when he comes in. (laughs) Well, whatever you did in order to come here, do that again. Maybe it'll reverse it. I don't know what thing you touched. I should probably get back to my Leith radio station that I found myself in. <laughs> There's a backstory to that. No, we'll never tell. <laughs> I don't know, maybe if we talk about Guardians, we'll bring it back. We'll drip more hints about it. Stay tuned for the backstory of this random Leith radio station that Isaac was in. What's the secret there? Something's going on. Maybe just touch the mic and you might vanish. Maybe. See what happens there. We'll see. Just try that. Okay, dope. Well, here we go. Ah, Chris, you're back. It worked. Isaac, touching the thing worked.
Oh, touching the thing. Oh, I never would have thought of doing that. You would have found yourself in a radio booth in Leith, according to what Isaac said. A radio booth in Leith. He was in a radio booth in Leith for some reason when you switched places. He was in a radio booth in Leith. So that's where you were. That's where I normally hang out. Oh no, it's where Isaac was hanging out, which makes it even stranger. That's where Isaac was hanging out. Yeah, okay. But let's refrain from touching anything so that switching places doesn't happen again. Yes, let's keep our hands to ourselves, shall we? But thanks, Isaac, for hanging out and giving your take on the Marvels trailer. As he said, it's one of his two things, so you want to weigh in. Cheers, Isaac. Anyway, we're still on Marvel. We'll talk about some news after that ordeal. One thing that's happening is Mia Goth is joining Mahershala Ali's Blade. Say it with me now. In an undisclosed role. (laughs) <laughs> surprises okay that's cool yeah Mia Goth her star's on the rise isn't it yeah they act it's a film I'm fine with that I don't have a lot of excitement about Blade like a lot of other stuff I've talked about on this podcast this month I keep forgetting that's a thing that Blade is coming out but yes it is it's cast people is it perhaps because our last script was crap and we threw it out and we've got a new one Maybe that tempers the excitement somewhat. We've changed everything. We've pretty much changed the entire thing. We've done a massive course correction partway through this, and we're still casting people, so (laughs) yes. Well, maybe this will excite you a bit more. Deadpool 3 is getting a couple of notable returning faces. Morena Bakarin and Stefan Kapicic. Vanessa and Colossus are coming back, so... It looks like the MCU's first mutants will be Deadpool, Colossus, possibly Negasonic Teenage Warhead, if she's in it, but she hasn't been cast yet. That's cool that they're coming back. I like those characters. I like the whole setup in Deadpool. Don't forget Kamala, because there's a mutation. Yes. Cue the guitar riff. And we've had Xavier, okay. And we've had Xavier. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm curious about how they tie Deadpool, and Deadpool surely is in some weird shadow part of the multiverse where they can just pull in and do whatever they want without impacting literally anything. I think the film is going to be about him saying goodbye to the X-Men universe and leaving it. That's my guess. Okay, trying to get off somewhere better where his missus is... Okay. Where she's dead or not dead. We don't know if the time travel at the end of the second film is actually canon or not. Yeah, that's true. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, though. We're getting him back, so that'll be something. Don't know if it'll be a good something, but it'll be something. Again, I'm going to say the bloody thing that I've said for other stuff. Would he do it if there was not anything in it for him? Sorry. Uh, Damn it. Come up with other stuff to say, Chris. We've seen some of Hugh Jackman's catalogue of stuff. Yes, I think he would. Yes, I think he would. You are aware he was in the first Wolverine film and the third X-Men film, right? You are aware that he has been in several of these, Chris. Yes, I am. However, the finale, the finishing touch, the cherry that went on top was fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of like the Oliver Queen problem, isn't it? Ah, his death was really good. Why do we need to? Yeah, that was the final moment. That was the nice bit. It was done. It was finished. It was wrapped up. People were giving rounds of applauses. We released it in cinemas in black and white so that folk could love it even more. (laughs) We did the whole thing. We did the whole showbiz bit of it. Don't ruin it. Oh yeah, they did release it in black and white, didn't they? I didn't like that. Yeah, they did the whole thing of arting it up and doing all the thing, which is fine. They did that with Mad Max as well, and I was just thinking, wow, the colour was really good in this film, and now there isn't any. (laughs) No, there isn't. They did all that, but on the other hand, there's a bit of me that is Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman going at it and having fun in a Deadpool-y way 
with Wolverine, I can't really say no to that. As much as my head says, it's a terrible idea, Chris. It's going to ruin things. <laughs> and then I'm like, but on the other hand, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman being very silly with a lot of toys from the Marvel toolbox. Kind of, yes, please. Or some toys from the Marvel toolbox. We don't know. Some toys, yes. Okay, fine. They won't not get a lot of stuff. Yes, please. Am I allowed to say yes, please? Talk into my senses. Talk to me, Craig. Tell me good things. Well, just based on the story that I put on the notes for this episode, Marina Baccarin and the guy who plays Colossus being back, that's good. They were good. Seeing them again mm-hmm. would be fun. And they're part of Deadpool's little world. Yep, and they didn't have a finale in black and white and stuff, so that's good. Carry on. Let's hope that Negasonic comes back. She was cool. Mm-hmm. Domino, bring her back. She was good. And some other. We'll find out. But yeah. The fact that they bring those people back. Good stuff. It'll be nice when he moves universities and he settles into his new digs. I don't know if that helps, but that's all I've got. Yep, and it says in the same article as well that Faggy is very much in as a producer. Well, you'd have to say that. Of course. Of course he is. When asked to comment on the matter, Kevin Faggy said, I want nothing to do with this crap. I'm forced to put it into my universe. I have no say in the matter. Very much people will riot if I say no, so, and it comes. I hate Ryan Reynolds, I hate Hugh Jackman, and I hate those stupid Deadpool movies. So yes, make me a producer, please. I want a share of the money. Yeah, I'm here under protest. <laughs> I refuse. So yeah, I'm for this. I shouldn't be, but I totally am. I want to take Aaron to see it because I, I don't think he'll enjoy it. He likes the Deadpool movies. I think I saw both of them with him, actually. Certainly the second one. So we'll see the third one when it comes out. Anyway, let's hop the fence back to DC. The Creature Commandos can speak. They've done some casting for the animated Creature Commandos series, which is set to premiere next year. It's supposed to be the first title in the new DC Universe, headed by James Gunn and Peter Safran, although Blue Beetle might also be that, we don't know. The voice cast are featuring David Harbour, Indira Varma, Alan Tudyk, Maria Bakalova, Zoe Chow, Steve Ajee, and more. I really liked more. I really like his King Lear. <laughs> Varma will voice the show's main protagonist, Bride of Frankenstein, a version of the classic horror character. Frank Grillo will play Rick Flagg Sr., the father of Joe Kinnaman's Rick Flagg Jr. from The Suicide Squad. Harbour will voice Eric Frankenstein, a version of the classic monster and a sensible love interest for the bride. Chow will voice Nina Mazursky, an amphibious scientist. Gunn will voice G.I. Robot, a military android. And Tudyk will voice Dr. Phosphorus, who is permanently radioactive and often a Batman villain. They join Sean Gunn, who is reprising his role as Weasel, and Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Gunn has written every episode of the series. Well, already? I guess he was probably working on it before and thinking, yeah, when I run the universe, it's going to feature this. <laughs> in the comics, the Creature Commandos were a precursor to the Suicide Squad brought together during World War II to fight against the Nazis. The inclusion of Davis as Waller, however, indicates the series timeline will be updated in some fashion. Unless Viola Davis is playing Amanda Waller's mother, I don't know. As I said in the previous chat about this, James Gunn is casting people that can go between the two mediums of animation and live action, so that stacks up with this here. Could be a fun idea. Yes. I like the casting. I like the names that are on there. The imagery for it looks fun. I'm interested in this. Like you say, it's the slow stuff that's starting to come through where you're getting a bit more of an idea what the image of the DC universe is going to be moving forward, unless they do yet another course correction partway through. It doesn't work, so let's try again. Yeah, these are going to be the initial things that come out and test waters for if this is actually a success or not. Because we've seen a lot of times where they go, this is the new direction, and the first two things come out and they go, oh dear. (laughs) And then they re-go again. But this looks interesting. I think they're going to give this a lot more of a chance. It seems that they've got a bit more of an idea what they want to do with it. 
all the content. I don't see anything in there that sticks out as something that I don't like. Casting actors that you also want to play them in live action, I get some of the sense in that, but I know that you've spoken before about voice acting and sometimes screen actors are not the best voice actors. They can be very good in that tool set and some are good at crossing over that way, some aren't vice versa some of the names there are proven though people like alan tudyk they've done both yeah yeah of course alan tudyk's done a lot of that sort of stuff so i can't really argue with it it's not that i'm trying to find things to argue with but i'm like yeah do you know what okay i'll give it three episodes says chris (laughs) and then if you don't like it you don't really need to engage with it because i imagine you'll be able to follow the rest of the universe if you don't want to follow this well if you don't watch creature commandos that's it you'll never understand the origins of superman (laughs) my friend what have they got to do with krypton well you just need to watch and find out well, you won't get the in-jokes. Okay, fine, I'll watch it. <laughs> anyway, let's hop another fence across the Star Wars. We've touched on it already. Ahsoka and Indiana Jones were at Star Wars Celebration because nothing says Star Wars like Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's Lucasfilm, isn't it? How come we didn't get invited, Greg? No press did, apparently. No press. None of us were invited. Any press that were covering it, they just paid, and then they went and, <laughs> and then covered it <laughs> as they were there. There you go. There was probably some top drawer invited press, you would imagine. People like Variety and things. So again, why were we not invited? Managed to scam our way into a Star Trek convention. Don't say that. We worked hard. They're not listening. We recorded content that will never be heard ever. <laughs> That's actually so true. Give us a hundred dollars as a PayPal donation and I'll give you the raw unedited files from that weekend. You mean a month as a subscription and we'll release them one minute at a time? So I'll give you one minute of content per month. One minute a month. For a high subscription fee. Raw unedited. So the first minute is probably, can you hear me? Is this on? Oh dear. Anyway, there's some announcements. So I'll just go through some of them. Andor to debut in August 2024. They showed a trailer that wasn't released to the public. That's it. It's coming out. They revealed footage of the Acolyte, which again wasn't revealed to the public. Although it did leak on YouTube and I tried to watch it. But it's one of those YouTube leaks where it's filmed by someone that's somehow off to the side of the hall and hasn't got a great view of the screen. Why are all <laughs> things like that? In the era of 4K phones, it's somehow this really crap, tinny, blurry mess. It's either footage of the Acolyte or it's proof that the Loch Ness Monster is real. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell which. Yeah. The Acolyte is, I think, about someone that goes to the dark side. Although... There's Jedi Masters in it and things. The footage featured Carrie Ann Moss as Jedi Master in battle with Amanda Stenberg. When asked about the theme and structure of the show, she pitched the idea for Acolyte to Kathleen Kennedy as a mix between Frozen and Kill Bill. What the hell does that mean? With inspiration from Akira (laughs) Kurosawa's films of the 1950s. I did see someone suggest that it's about twins. One of them goes to the light side and one of them goes to the dark side, but I don't know how true that is. Oh, okay. Well, that would explain the Frozen sort of element of it, wouldn't it? Yeah. The idea of someone heading down a dark path and exploring what that means and how that works is an interesting idea. It's one of the projects that I'm kind of excited about. No, I don't know. I'm now for one of them ends up on the ice planet Hoff and befriends a talking snowman. I'm kind <laughs> of on that vein now in my head. I like your idea of light side, dark side, but no, I've gone straight to the talking snowman. Do you want to build a snow rancor? <laughs> they also shared some footage of Skeleton Crew that they also didn't release to the public. The trailer features new characters centred around the lives of a group of rebellious kids travelling the galaxy. Jude Law features in the trailer as a Jedi with a new look, clean-shaven head. Cool, Jude Law with a shaved head. Just what I've always wanted. Exclusive. That's actually the theme of all this, by the way. All the announcements are Jedi-related stuff. 
It seems like they've thrown out anything that doesn't have a lightsaber, which includes Top Gun, but with X-Wings, which they must be kicking themselves about after the success of Top Gun. We should have had this out by now, idiots. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Daisy Ridley is to return as Rey for what will essentially be Star Wars Episode Ten. it sounds like. The idea is going to be 15 years after the events of Rise of Skywalker for some reason, even though it hasn't been 15 years in the real world since the events of the Rise of Skywalker. But it's going to centre on Rey training a new generation of Jedi. So she's doing what everybody wanted Luke to do. And this one puzzles me a bit. Do you want to see Rey again? Does anybody really want to see Rey again? I know that she captured a lot of young girls as a great protagonist of a huge franchise. So from that point of view, I guess, yes. But it still puzzles me a bit. Yeah, I'm a bit like you. There were elements of the sequel trilogy that I liked. I don't think it worked as a whole. I think there were elements of each of them that I enjoyed. I think Rey was a good character in there and I think Daisy Ridley did a good job with what she was given but there was a lot of stuff in there that just didn't make sense. What's it meant to be like 10 years after or something like that? 15 years after. So 15 years after means that you can do whatever you want with the rest of the characters. You can make up a lot of stuff for 15 years. You can get away with a lot. But I'm not really desperate to go down there. The whole idea of those three films was they said, oh, we're wrapping up everything. We're just tying everything up in a nice little bow, and then whatever comes next, we're going to do super prequels, like you say, with Acolyte stuff, where we're going further back in time than we've ever gone before, or we're going to jump so far ahead, we're going to go and explore something different, like you say, we're doing Top Gun, but X-Wings. We're going to do that as a thing. I don't know if I want to see more of this. Am I desperate to see what Ray's doing next? Am I desperate to see what Finn is up to? If he's even there. If he's even there. There might not be any of the other characters in there. I doubt it. They'll probably throw every single one of them in. All the survivors will get thrown in at some point as a, look what they're doing now, or at least be given a courteous mention. But I don't particularly know what they would do. Exactly what we said about the sequel trilogy, where it just begins and goes, well, we destroyed the empire but the first order came along are we doing a we've done a 15 year gap the first order are gone palpatine somehow died i was related to him anyway there's a new empire (laughs) i am not sure what they do now maybe i will end up seeing a trailer or a tease for this thing and i'll suddenly go oh that actually looks really cool or looks really fun or looks different but just from the news the rough we're getting Ray back in a film. It'll be 15 years forward. She will be training Jedi. Okay. I'm not really jumping up and down in my seat for it. One of the things I predicted would happen is almost happening. As in, I thought that maybe in 20 years time we'd get a revisit of Ray because it's 20 years mm. on and it's nostalgia now. But what it seems like we're doing the 15 year time jump and we're just doing the nostalgia now. We're going to be nostalgic for the Rise of Skywalker era of films. It's when you hear all the... Because there's been a lot of rumoured projects, hasn't there? There's been a lot of yeah. rumoured Star Wars projects that have never been officially announced at anything. It's just been, oh, so-and-so's writing a Star War, but it's never been put out there in shiny lights and actually teased. The Ryan Johnson trilogy, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff now has just quietly disappeared off of the map, and now this is what's remaining. I don't know. I genuinely am not sure, and I don't think I ever saw the day where I would get told, there's a new Star War coming out, and I'd be like, eh. (laughs) 
can take it or leave it. Yeah, what have you done to me, Star Wars? Why have you made me so? And this is coming from someone that's engaged with it a lot more positively than I have on the whole. Yeah, genuinely, when I said that there's a lot that I like from the individual films, if you take the three sequels, I have liked elements of each one of these. My problem was that they weren't a cohesive unit story-wise when it came to the end, so there was just stuff in character things that just make no sense when you get to the, and we've wrapped it up in a bow, and you go, have you though? It looks more like a fish supper than a wrap present. That's my issue with the thing, but the individual films I liked. All of this in-development stuff has to come with a pinch of salt of they might cancel it in a month or two's time. The way I'm looking at Star Wars announcements at the moment is until there's news that they've started filming, I'm not going to believe it exists. Even if they start filming, it can be an interesting tax write-off. If they at least start filming, I can believe that at some point it was a project that someone decided to at least try to make rather than, yeah, we're announcing this, whatever, we've hired someone. Cool. The shareholders will be delighted at our announcement of a continuation of the franchise, yeah. Yeah, and they seem to be too dumb to realise that we never make them. They haven't cottoned on to that yet. I just don't know what the angle is, what the passing of the baton, if it's something like that, to do another, like a completely different ray is simply being used as the handoff to a new story in a similar way to how they used the original characters is to sort of, oh, we're handing this off. If Rey's getting used as that, okay, we're training new Jedi to do new things my way or the old-fashioned way from the books that I kept kind of thing. I'm taking the best bits and I've created the new philosophy and this is how we're doing it. And then we're passing that off and then new characters, new way, new world, not sticking to the same template, but that's almost that is Star Wars now. They've made that Star Wars from what they've done with the prequels, from what they've done with the originals, to what they did with the sequels. They've kind of made that template of, well, you need an empire and you need a set of rebels and you need some Jedi Force-sensitive people and then the stuff happens. But how you get away from fleet of Star Destroyers with super weapons, how that builds because they just tried to outdo themselves each time with each thing and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So you've got to try and build it small scale now and try and bring it right down. Hopefully it could just be a more personal story about Ray trying to be a teacher, but it probably won't be. Yeah, exactly. Because people would go in and go, what, what, what was that? It? Well, that was boring. The struggle of coming up with a philosophy and a way to teach. Do I really believe these things that I'm teaching the children? How do I deal with someone that's erring on the dark side? I've never learned how to deal with that. I know. I'm going to consult Luke Skywalker's ghost. I'm going to consult several Force ghosts. Hi, Obi-Wan, but you're a young ghost now. A young Obi-Wan ghost. A Cal Kestis ghost. Anakin, why not? And an Anakin and an Ahsoka ghost. Let's go with that. Or Ahsoka's still here. Who knows? Is Ahsoka dead? I don't know. Is Ahsoka dead? Let's go with no. We've decided no. She does speak through the Force at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which suggests that she is dead, which is disappointing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe she was the one that was dialing in live. Maybe. Everyone else was on the phone, but she was properly in the room. I'm pretty much looping myself around in a circle now at this point. Depending on what they do with it, I might suddenly get excited. I might see a trailer for this and just go, wow. Maybe. And dive right in. At the moment, I'm tepid. Well, other things that are announced is a James Mangold movie set during the time period of the Dawn of the Jedi Instead of The Last Jedi, The First Jedi, I guess. That's probably what it will be called. Fascinating and new and different and yes, please. That suggests that Lucasfilm are happy with his Indiana Jones, if they're giving them this. 
Presumably, yeah. I mean, when they don't make it, it'll be extra disappointing. <laughs> oh, no. I'm cancelling things. And Dave Filoni's going to do a Mandalorian-era film that might wrap up the whole Mandalorian thing. It might not. Imagine it does. That'll just be impenetrable, won't it? It'll just be... If you haven't seen The Mandalorian, there's no point in watching this film that we're releasing in cinemas. Yeah, if you haven't seen Mandalorian and associated shows from that time period and associated video games from that time period, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm okay with Filoni being given a movie. If it is genuinely we're building the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and whatever else to a point and instead of spinning that out into a eight episode season of television we are instead doing a big budget movie climax I'm fine with that how often have we said that they've got basically three episodes of plot but they've spun it out for an entire season of television it's just if it's one of those you need to have seen the mandalorian book of boba fett and ahsoka to understand this film that could be a problem yeah you need to have seen everything in order to get the build up to this and the bad batch wouldn't hurt as well you might as well watch that (laughs) the bad batch and i don't know the ewok movies for some reason and all of clone wars and all of rebels all of clone wars all of rebels like a million hours of stuff i need to watch to watch one film Especially all the Jar Jar episodes of Clone Wars. Those are the ones that you need to watch. The droid and the Jar Jar episodes. Those are the pivotal episodes that you need to watch in order to understand. We're going to be bringing back that Nehemiah that was voiced by George Takei. Somehow Jar Jar survived. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit like when that X-Files film was coming out and they released actual DVD box sets of all the episodes that you need to see before watching the film. (laughs) You know what? I think I'll just not watch the film, thanks. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious I don't think that they would go all in and just make it, okay, you need to have seen everything. They would need to do some sort of premise of building it and bringing the pieces together, maybe, in that film that would allow the characters to explain why things are happening. I don't think they would just jump in as if previously on roles and then it's straight into, okay, this is what we're doing in this film. I think there would be a bit of... You either have a completely different character as your lead in that film, and they are the person that everyone else needs to do the thing, to wrap up the story, to do the bit. And because you're seeing it through their eyes, everyone else has got to explain what the hell's going on. Okay, maybe you're going to have a bit of exposition dump around about there, but that would give you a reason for everything being fresh. Because even your protagonist is in it fresh, so you as an audience member who hasn't seen all the stuff still gets the information via them for people who are more embedded in it you would get that obviously through the protagonist but then also through the knowledge that you have from stuff that's come before and me having not engaged with the mandalorian and stuff i'm not that interested in that one you can sit outside with your popcorn mate it's fine yeah i'll go see something else you can go and see something else the first jedi because they have actual swords instead of lightsabers but they'll have lightsabers They'll probably build the first lightsaber, but maybe they'll start off with just swords. That'll be cool. I would be fine with them not having any lightsaber in the first one. You know that's not going to happen. I know, I know. There'll be something crude that's turned into a lightsaber. All of this is all lightsabers all the time. That's all they've announced. (laughs) It's all lightsaber related. I can imagine something accidentally becoming a lightsaber. It started off as a pistol with a crystal and suddenly it's a lightsaber. (laughs) Pulled the trigger and then the light didn't go out. Oh, okay. Yeah, it malfunctioned and the bit blew off the top of it and suddenly there was a ray of light that came out and it cut through steel like it was butter. Let's go with that. Well, the Darksaber's from around that era, isn't it? 
it was created to fight lightsabers, wasn't it? Yeah, it would be a bit too early. This is meant to be the first person to wield the Force, but maybe it's not the first Force sensitive, it's more the first person to wield it. I genuinely don't know. I'm genuinely interested in it. The first person with the idea of organised religion. (laughs) It'll be Dave Jedi. And his friend, Dude, Mark Smith. Jedi. And then he'll change his name to Sith. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Well, let's see. Star Wars stuff. That's basically what we've got. Lightsabers. Lightsabers. You want lightsabers, you're getting them. Love lightsabers. Some people like it. Some people might want something different. Some people might want a combination thereof. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like I say, this could all be cancelled next month. <laughs> Celebrate that, Star Wars fans. The optimist. Anyway, let's hop over the fence again. Star Trek. Two things for Star Trek. One is, remember that long rumoured Starfleet Academy series? I do. It's now finally happening. Way. The official announcement says, for the first time in over a century, our campus will be reopened to admit individuals, a minimum of 16 Earth years or species equivalent, who dream of exceeding their physical, mental and spiritual limits, who value friendship, camaraderie, honour and devotion to a cause greater than themselves. The coursework will be rigorous, the instructors among the brightest lights in their respective fields, and those accepted will live and study side by side with the most diverse population of students ever admitted. Today, we encourage all who share our dreams, goals, and values to join a new generation of visionary cadets as they take their first steps towards creating a bright future for us all. Apply today, ex astris scientia, which is Latin for something. <laughs> Star Trek Starfleet Academy will announce us to a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism. Under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructors, they will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself. Why? (laughs) Why can't it just be about kids coming of age but Star Trek? Why can't we just have Star Trek Riverdale? Or the OC, but Star Trek. Or insert other teen drama CW show, but Star Trek. (laughs) That bit narks me off. I think it's just unnecessary to have an enemy that threatens everybody because we're sick of that. We're so sick of it. It's set in the Discovery era. The after over a century thing gives that away. And apparently, Tony Newsome, who voices Mariner in Lower Decks, is one of the writers. And one of the showrunners is someone that worked on team dramas, Noga Landau. She worked on maybe the OC and things like that. So it seems like at least some of it will be geared towards that teen drama thing and just thinking of some of the episodes they could do. Someone dealing Ketracel White on the Academy grounds. Someone addicted to whatever. I don't know. Mm. All that stuff. All the stuff you expect. So what do you think? I like the concept. I like the idea of an Academy set show. I think it's something a bit different for Trek. So... For that praise. I kind of have a problem with the time period that it's set. I'm not really interested in the Discovery Future timeline that much. I think it's a bit too far distant from everything else for me. Not that interesting a time period either, so far. That's kind of a problem because you've got to the point where technology is super, super, super advanced. It's not even Star Trek advanced. It's ridiculous advanced once you get to what era Discovery are currently sitting in with the everything can rejig itself matter, the programmable matter or whatever they call it. All that sort of stuff that they have invented for that show for we are now super, super future. I don't think that is as interesting a time even in things like space politics and whatnot. I guess it gives them a bit more free reign for any 
species that were formerly in the Federation or currently in the Federation in that future so that they can play around with it a bit. Whereas we know a lot more about everything as it stands if you were to set it after Picard, if you were to set it around about that time period. The time period isn't interesting because they never let it be interesting. You get to this future and it's Vulcans and Romulans are united and they live on one planet and they're not in the Federation. Earth isn't even in the Federation then. They spend two seasons there and oh, yeah, it's all fine, it's all fixed. Yeah, most of the people that were former members are now back, but they're still split things out there and then suddenly there'll be space pirates again that they forgot about. And also shuttles can still crash apparently, even though it's a thousand years later. Shuttles can still crash and transporters are still unreliable and don't ask us about holodecks. And our turbo lifts. And turbo lifts and how ridiculously big the insides of our ships now are. <laughs> There's bits like that that I'm like, okay, I'm kind of less interested in that. Now, they might make it interesting, and we've got a season of Discovery coming up, we've got all that sort of stuff to try and lay, potentially, some groundwork in there to pull things in. Like you've said before, setting it in the future, it means if you want to pull in Legacy cast for whatever reason, you can do a, oh, we've got a holographic teacher this week, and it's XYZ. Or this week we have the Doctor, he's still alive. We have the Doctor, here he is. Or Data, he's still alive. Data can still be, whoever you want, you can pull in either as a hologram, as a thing, as a lecturer, or characters that are still alive, or any of your Discovery cast that you want to drop in and out, or anything like that, you can do. I'd be surprised if Tilly wasn't a main character in this. I would suspect so, because they were kind of lining that up in the previous season of Discovery. I'm interested in praise for them for doing something different. I think the time period bit is what's putting me off, but that might change. Not the new enemy. Is that not putting you off at all? Well, yeah, that also kind of puts me off. In my head, that's not Star Trek, but who am I to decide what Star Trek is and what Star Trek isn't? It's also not what a bunch of teenagers are supposed to be dealing with. Yeah. Well, another apocalypse. Great. Teenagers at the Academy somehow are the ones that are responsible for solving a galaxy-wide crisis, a federation-ending crisis, and it's down to the students. That shows you how Starfleet's doing at the moment, folks. (laughs) The students are solving the galaxy-ending problem this time. Michael Burnham retired. She can't save the universe anymore. (laughs) Burnham retired. It turns out that was the only person that was keeping the universe together. (laughs) It's been a disaster ever since. That, again, is one of the bits that I've not enjoyed through some of the stuff. But potentially it'll be interesting. But yeah, time period for me and, like you say, the galaxy-ending threat I could have done without. But doing something different. They're not on a ship getting trained or whatever, unless that's what they suddenly make it, which is that they're all students on a training mission with remote instructors and then the signal gets cut off and they're on their own doing things. Which isn't far removed from Prodigy. Yeah, which isn't a far shot from that, and it's not a far shot from other stuff that we've seen. It's essentially what would be an episode of Trek before, where the students are on a training mission, they've got their well-trained instructor with them, but oh, lo and behold, the instructor's incapacitated and they need to take command, but they're the wrong people. So you could end up with that. (laughs) They're on a shakedown cruise of a thing, then they discover world-ending threat and need to do thing, and they can't contact anyone else because reasons... Just reasons. Reasons. Signs word reasons. Like the Matrix has overflown with the capacitance stuff. <laughs> the signals are being overwhelmed by the local disturbances, Captain. 
trainee. I was thinking my preferred era would be around the original series era because that's a bit more of a volatile time period. Would be more interesting. Yes, even putting it towards the original series, putting it towards Strange New Worlds time period, you could do that. Set it at the same time as Strange New Worlds, why not? Set it at the same point as that. You could really throw it anywhere in the established canon and it would still be quite interesting. You don't need the show to be stumbling over established characters all the time or established storylines all the time. You don't need a crew of cadets that suddenly it turns out that they were at every pivotal moment of the next generation. That's not what you need. I suppose I'm looking for something familiar, but it might be interesting the way they've done it. I guess it might be somewhat interesting if they were set it during, say, the fourth season of The Next Generation or the second season of the original series and they hear about events that are happening in the universe which includes what the enterprise is up mm. to and they react to it. it's like yeah kirk is so cool he did this or whatever they debate the merits of this episode i don't know that might be a bit too fan wanky to be honest but it's the kind of thing that you sort of think about there was a video game starfleet academy that was quite good back in the interplay days you can get it on gog.com for very little money that was fun that's set in the post star trek 6 original series era and it's actually the last time that william shatner played captain kirk because there was live action cutscenes. Kirk, Sulu, and Chekhov are all in it. That's something. But yeah, I'll give it a go. I do quite like the idea of leaning into the teen drama tropes, but with Star Trek. I just find that's an idea that could be interesting. Because I do like some of these schlocky teen drama things like One Tree Hill or The O.C. I do enjoy them. It's a different format. That's absolutely fine. And we've seen Star Trek move into stuff like Lower Decks, which I never thought Star Trek would. And it's when animated comedy. So teen drama Star Trek doesn't seem too off the wall. They were pitching shows or someone was floating about with ideas for shows for Federation politics before. Stuff like that. And I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, I probably would be interested in some of that. Star Trek, but the West Wing. Yeah, West Wing, but Star Trek. Trying to do all these diplomatic relations that are blooming difficult. But doing that as a, instead of it being a, oh, we've done a one-off episode where Picard solves a, crisis at two planets that are warring against each other whatever do it more in that diplomacy wing of the federation and that has some interest and then you've got the sparkle of star trek over it csi star trek. csi why not <laughs> law and order star trek let's do them all but star trek a team a team for star trek they were arrested and put on a federation penal colony but they were innocent <laughs> If you can find them, then you can call it. <laughs> if you can find them. The Alpha Team, I guess they call it. Alpha Team. Jesus. All oh, right. On, on that note, we better move on. <laughs> so, moving on. Remember Section 31, the show that we're never going to make? Oh, yeah, that one. Well, we were right. It's a movie now. Yeah. Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh is going to be returning to reprise her role as Emperor Philippa Giorgio for Section 31, which is now a movie. It's going to be on Paramount Plus in a couple of years. This is probably the right move. I think you are correct. A bit like what we said earlier on, you probably had three episodes worth of content that was going to be spun out into a season. Now it's going to be, hopefully, a well-pitched movie. It works out with Michelle Yeoh. It means you can get her back. It means you can do your thing that you wanted to do, but with a little bit of small movie budget. And, yeah, I'm for this. Yeah, see how it pans out. You might get Ash Tyler back as well. Mm -hmm. Shazad Latif, if that's what you want. As well as some other people, I guess. Maybe Dr. Bashir. I don't know. We have no idea what time period she ended up in when the Guardian sent her through the portal. Oh, that's true. So they've kind of got options, haven't they? Yeah, could do anything with it. Let's move on. This isn't Star Trek, but it might as well be. <laughs> A Galaxy Quest series is in early development at Paramount+. Plus. 
It's not the first time they tried to do a Galaxy Quest series. Amazon had a go at it back in 2015, but they stopped talking about it after Alan Rickman died. And now they're finally adapting it again. I don't think we need this. I don't know what else there is to say that the film didn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of want them to leave this alone. It's visiting a one-off thing that probably shouldn't be revisited because I think it would ruin it slightly. Obviously, you can't get Alan Rickman back, so you can't reunite the full cast and do everything. And I think it was one of those where it was a unique set of circumstances that made that film work. Trying to recreate it on purpose rather than by accident might not have the same effect we've already got things like the orville doing what it's doing and it even pivoted from the parody to being more serious so i don't know what galaxy quest would do i don't get it either i just don't see what the need for this is your two options are this i guess you get whoever's left in the main cast back whoever wants to come back which probably won't be all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it can't be because Alan Rickman's yeah. not there. And without Rickman, why bother doing it at all? Or you just do the concept again as a complete reboot, but you just retread the same ground that you already retread. And then if you get the original cast back, it's like a Mighty Ducks scenario where they have to learn how to do that thing again, probably. You see all those sports sequels where they forget how to play whatever sport that is they learned how to play in the first film. The Karate Kid 2, he forgets how to fight. Stuff like that. So, nah. I just don't see why we're doing this. No. Galaxy Quest was a great single film that said everything it needed to say about fandom, about Star Trek. It was an affectionate parody. Yeah, exactly what you said. It was an affectionate parody. It was sort of a thing that worked at its time. I don't think we need to go there again. If you wanted to do a parody Star Trek... Just start a new thing. Don't call it Galaxy Quest. Don't try and redo that thing. You can just call it whatever you want. You can name it after your favourite duck. (laughs) You just don't need to build on that brand. Or you don't need to borrow that brand in order to do it. Simply Paramount announcing they're doing parody Star Trek is probably enough to float it without it having Galaxy Quest branding over it. Yeah, but the problem with it is... I don't think they would get the nuance of it. One of the things that I loved about Galaxy Quest is, yes, it poked fun at the fandoms associated with these things, but also it wasn't doing it in a way that was laughing at us. It was laughing with us. Mm. And you watch it and you think, yeah, Star Trek fans are a lot like that. You believe it. So I don't think they would have the nuance there. I think you're right. The only other way of this show working is that you're not actually breaking the concept of the actors and the third wall sort of thing you're just doing the actual show galaxy quest that they were in basically you're doing galaxy quest the show that those fans watched not doing the inside the show outside the show thing and i don't think that's what they've got in mind so i'm not really for this i don't think it's needed no, definitely not. Let's move on to something that was in the news pod last month, but I forgot to do. I skipped over it for Whoops. some reason. Pokemon Detective Pikachu has finally got a director. Jonathan Creasel, who co-directed Portlandia, which is something I haven't seen. He's in negotiations with Legendary to direct the sequel to a live-action Pokemon movie from 2019. Portlandia was a sketch comedy show which starred fellow co-creators Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein in a multitude of oddball situations. He created, wrote and directed Baskets, which starred Zach Galifianakis as a rodeo clown. Okay, that's a sign. Detective Pikachu 2, I think I've said before on the 
podcast, if you've not got Ryan Reynolds' voice in your Pikachu, I think that was what gave a lot of the charm to the original film. But I'm up for seeing more in that universe. I thought the first one was quite fun. So, yeah. I would kind of be up for a different Pokemon movie, though, rather than just Detective Pikachu again. Because how are we going to get Ryan Reynolds back in his body? Yeah, you've got to try and explain a lot. I mean, you could still not do Ryan Reynolds and the Pikachu and see if it works without that, but I think some of the draw for that original one was definitely a cute, fluffy, wise-cracking Pikachu. So in this one, you might have Ryan Reynolds and Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. You've got Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith and a Pikachu and that world of interesting Pokemon and things that they've done with it. Like you say, other things in the Pokemon world would be cool as well, but I can see why they've went back to this one. Yes. Anyway, moving on. Shrek 5 is in development. DreamWorks have just been looking at the stuff they have on (laughs) hand and thought, we could do this again. They said, it's not that dissimilar to the process that we went through with Mario, where you look at what the core elements are, the audiences have loved, and you do your very best to honour those elements. Yeah, well said. I don't know if this is necessary or not. I heard that Puss in Boots was all right. Puss in Boots was good. Yeah, I really liked it. So, folk like that. I've never seen Shrek 4. I didn't like 3. Yeah, I didn't like 3. I don't think I've seen 4 either. Again, I don't think this is particularly necessary, but if they've got something interesting and funny and they've thought about it and it's not just, we have IP, please, money, then cool, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Will I see it? Don't know. We'll see. Here's something I definitely will see, though. Paddington in Peru is in production. It will start filming in July. It's been six years since the second film happened. Jesus, has it been that long? It's been a while. I think the world needs more Paddington. Yes. The world's a mess. We need Paddington. So they're definitely making it great. He's going to be in Peru this time. Exciting. The two Paddington movies are great. They're excellent. They're very good fun. So we're getting a third one, for sure. I've heard people describe Ted Lasso as being a live-action Paddington. Or a human Paddington. Kind of, actually. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that, actually. Now that you've said that, I've never thought about that. But yeah, <laughs> kind of. I haven't even seen it. I'm just parroting what someone else said. It's not marmalade sandwiches. It's more biscuits and stuff. But yeah. Everyone has their thing. Everyone has their thing. You could go along that line. Definitely in the earlier seasons as well, it's kind of more the spirit that comes in and sort of brings people out of their funk. Mm. So still on the subject of TV adaptations of things that maybe shouldn't be a TV <laughs> adaptations, which we talked about a while ago, Twilight, they're going to do TV series, maybe, instead of the films. Well, they already did the films, so it'll be as well as the films, I suppose. Sinead Daly, whose credits include Tell Me Lies, The Walking Dead, World Beyond, Raised by Wolves, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and The Get Down is attached to write the script for Twilight. (sighs) A bit like the Harry Potter stuff, though I've got even less of a connection to Twilight than I do with Harry Potter content. Didn't... Twilight being films essentially spawn a bunch of TV shows that were Twilight but TV. And films. And films that were Twilight but not Twilight. Twilight but with werewolves. Twilight but Red Riding Hood. Twilight but different vampires. Yeah, there were so many different TV things that were vampires, young vampires, young werewolves, that whole thing. So I don't quite get this again, but... Okay. I don't really have any strong feelings either way. It wasn't that I actively hated them and avoided them. I just never quite got into them. So I don't have strong feelings about it. Again, it's probably a bit too soon that anyone that was a big fan of that stuff is going to be like, oh, no, no, how dare you? I watched the first Twilight film and felt motivated to not watch any more <laughs> after that. 
the books definitely have their fans and people are into them, but there's something innately problematic about them in the way that it portrays relationships and all that sort of stuff. There's things about possession, not possession in the supernatural sense, possession in the sense of I own you because you're my girlfriend or whatever. And I think Bella's a deeply problematic character in that she plays these two men against each other. There are things that happen in the book, such as she seems to think that one of the men that's after her cutting her break so that she can't go visit the other man is romantic. Obviously, there's a famous shot of Edward sitting at the foot of her bed watching her sleep. Stuff like that. It's just really icky behaviour, and I don't know that we need to go back to that. The thing about Harry Potter is, as problematic as the creator of it is, I don't think the book contain anything especially problematic, or certainly not to the same extent. There's probably stuff in there that you think, ooh, that doesn't age well, or oh, I know what that means now, that kind of stuff. There doesn't seem to be any gay people in the Harry Potter universe or anything like that. And there's all that thing about racial purity with purebloods and mudbloods are not considered real wizards yeah. and stuff like that. That's in there, but it's not as foregrounded as the stuff in Twilight is. So what do you do when you adapt it this time? Do you throw all that out? Do you try and come up with something a bit more progressive? But then it's not the thing that people like. It's not the adaptation of the bit. You end up not pleasing anyone because you either do one too soft or one too hard, or you cut all that out and people go oh i don't know it's interesting that they're doing this as a thing it's been a while since a twilight thing emerged just when we thought this course had moved on we thought the world had changed but it turns out no we are returning back to these things it's time to remember that robert pattinson and kristen stewart are really bad actors because they were in those films it's time to look back to that <laughs> conversation he can't be batman he was in twilight that sucks yeah all that coming back i understand why it's because it's ip and ip money and people will go for it and we can have five seasons of television or whatever it is i don't know how many books there is if they really really go for it then we split seasons in half and we do oh even more seasons we're getting through it too quickly quick slow down well like when they just split the films in two because that way we make double the box office yeah instead of having one a year we've now got two harry potter did that as well yeah start to spread it out hunger games that again was them covering more content as well so that they weren't taking anything out but it also meant that they spread the money lord of the rings they split into three films the hobbit they managed to make even more it's a lot of that going in there as well some of it is we want to cover more detail some of it is we want double box office we know that people are watch both of these yeah well we've got the hunger games prequel so we could be gearing up for a hunger games tv series mm-hmm. three seasons of television mm-hmm I mean, I wouldn't watch this. Not a chance. I don't know if Twilight fans would even be interested. I don't know, but then again, it's bringing it to a new generation. It might be that it's not even aimed whatsoever at people that were fans of the original films. It's simply to get that ball rolling again. A new generation of young girls who will expect the men in their life to cut their bricks if they even think about talking to another man. Great. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. We need people to develop unhealthy relationships again. That's what we need more of. I'm not saying that people are that suggestible but some people are that suggestible wait until they get around to doing 50 shades of gray as a tv series that'll happen soon because that's a spin-off of twilight sort of because it started as twilight fan fiction true story anyway let's move on disney are doing some mad stuff lilo and stitch live action remake which talked about before they have cast lilo and nanny whoever they are i haven't seen the film maya kiloha is playing lilo newcomer and sydney elizabeth agudong is playing Nanny. Zach Galifianakis joins the cast as well. Stitch will be a CGI confection. Chris Sanders is in talks to reprise the role there. And Dean Fleischer Camp, who directed The Indie Darling 
and Best Animated Feature Oscar nominee Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is directing it, set to be a major release on Disney+. Plus. Mm. I sent this link to Kat to see what she thought, but she didn't reply, so Kat had no comment, is how I'll phrase that. <laughs> when asked, our Lilo and Stitch expert came back with no comment. Kat declined to comment. I have seen Lilo and Stitch. I know that there was a Gareth Gates single that was associated with the film in the UK. His cover of Suspicious Minds. And my sister was a Gareth Gates fan. So strangely, I ended up seeing Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, your sister. Oh, you dear. Casting seems all right. Again, I've questioned a load of these. I'd just be repeating what I've said so many times when it comes to Disney live action. Why? 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 Money? Why? Well, wait until you see what we've got next. <laughs> I'm gearing it up as if I'm going to surprise you with this announcement, but you saw the link on the agenda. It's like a ta-da. I'm building up. I'm just setting you up. But maybe the audience don't know, unless they're following this recording with the show notes. Unless they're reading the show notes. Damn it. Don't tell them to read the show notes until the end. Yeah, if you want to read more, click the link after the show, please. There's spoilers in the show notes for what we're about to discuss. So Lilo and Stitch... I don't know. Maybe I will watch the original someday. I should watch it before the remake. Or maybe I should watch the remake first, so that then I have a baseline expectation, then I can watch the original and see what happens. See how I think. I think you watch them both on either screen and you just pause. So you watch five minutes of one, pause, watch the other one, five minutes, pause, watch the other one, five minutes, pause. Meanwhile, while scrolling on my phone and not paying attention to either of them. Yeah, so it's going to be like one of those Instagram reels where the bottom half is someone playing Minecraft and the top half is a video from... Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> Could work. Why not? Could be our next big thing. We'll just abandon this podcast game. We'll end up just putting together stupid videos like that yep. and make millions. It appears to work. <laughs> yeah, why not? Screw those nuanced, deeply analytical conversations. We can make a five minute video and make a thousand pounds a minute. Hang on, I was supposed to be nuanced. Well, something. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, Disney, again, Dwayne Johnson announced a live-action remake of Moana. Humbled to say we're bringing Moana's beautiful story to the live-action big screen. Maui changed my life, miss you, Grandpa. Was Maui's grandpa? And I'm honoured to partner with Disney to tell her story through the realm of music and dance, which at the core is who we are as Polynesian people. This film came out in, like, 2013. It's, like, 10 years old. Actually, when did it come out? I need to know. Maybe longer ago than you think. Moana, I've not seen. I have seen Leo and Stitch. I've not seen Moana. It's pretty great. 2016. Oh, it's actually earlier than you thought. That's seven years ago. Well, eight or nine by the time it comes out, but still. It makes sense that they're getting there because they're bashing these things out pretty darn quick. Disney have done these live-action remakes so quickly that they've lapped themselves within, like, ten years. Yeah, they're about to lap themselves and then they're going to have to do a live-action remake of the live-action remake. Or a sequel. Right, Cinderella again. It's Cinderella again. Cinderella 2, Cinderella again. The live-action sequel to the beloved Disney animated classic. I don't know, maybe it's multiverse. Maybe they're just bringing them all together. Again, I question why are Disney doing this? Oh, it's money-related? Okay, cool. Is it coming from a place of love? I'm sure the marketing material will say yes. It doesn't say if the voice of Moana will be reprising her role as Moana, but definitely The Rock will be reprising his role as Maui. Let's just say for the sake of argument to get the voice of Moana back to play Moana. Why are you making this? There's nothing different about it other than the fact that instead of animating it, you're animating it but also have occasionally live-action people standing in front of the animation. I don't know. I would say they've done weirder probably in there. The fact that you've got live-action The Rock reprising a role, that doesn't really push it beyond the 
thing for me. I don't get why they're doing some of these. Maybe the adaptions are great, but I don't really have a connection to this one to say I love the original so much that I can't believe they're doing this. So I can only sort of go with it, if you know what I mean. I think The Rock really needs a hit as well because he's had so many things crash down around him recently. He's not in Fast and Furious anymore. Black Adam was a disaster. So he doesn't really have anything at this moment in time. And I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that he just isn't actually that good or he just hasn't been applying himself in the way that would make him any good. He's just been turning up in stuff that isn't that worthwhile and Moana is something that everybody loved. So I guess his thought process is, if I do this again, it'll put me back on top. But will it? I love the original Moana. How stupid does it sound to say the original Moana? (laughs) From 2016. (laughs) Yeah, I love that movie. I thought it was great. I've watched it a number of times and you should definitely jump on watching it as soon as possible before The Rock goes and ruins it for you by remaking it. I'll watch that. You watch Lilo and Stitch and we'll be fine. Yeah, why not? So what will probably happen is the thing will get made and then, well, the original was way better, like always. So why are we doing this? Mm. It's just dumb. It's just so dumb. I don't know why people say, oh, some of it's related to keeping rights alive. Some of it's trying to keep copyrighted things. Well, after seven years. Exactly, yeah. After seven years, it's not even like the excuses of some of the other ones that they've done. So I'm not too sure. And I don't think Moana's adapted from anything either. They adapt Polynesian legends and things. But I think the character's original. The character's original, the writing stuff's there. I genuinely don't know with a lot of these. And again, you use the argument of bringing it to new audiences, but then you said it there. 2016. It's on Disney Plus. Just go watch it. It's on Disney Plus right now. In fact, you're probably already bringing a lot of these things to a new generation by the fact that they're there on a streaming service for them where they can hit a button. Re-release the animated one, for God's sake. Yeah, put a push behind that for an anniversary of some kind. It's not old enough for a blooming anniversary yet. It's only 2023. It's not even old enough for anniversary podcast to talk about it. <laughs> it's not old enough yet. It's new. It's shiny and new. And do you know what? That's one of the things I forgot to say about our live-action Lilo and Stitch, is I think Stitch in live-action would be an absolutely terrifying creature. <laughs> it's very cute in animation. Well, they made Pikachu look good, so who knows? They made Pikachu look good. You're right. What have they got left that they've not live-actioned, now that they're lapping themselves? I'm not sure, actually. What's sitting there left? Frozen? I think that's in the works as well. That's pretty much destined, isn't it? It's DreamWorks for How I Trained Your Dragon, isn't it? Or is that Disney? But that's also in the works. That's also in the works. Yeah, but it's also DreamWorks. So a lot of these things are already in the pipeline. I can't even, off the top of my head, I'd need to sort of sit there and do a spreadsheet and I can't. It's too late. Let's not do that. Which of these are yet to be announced? I don't think there's many left. And you've got sequels to things like Aladdin that they're doing. Mm. I think they're doing a sequel to The Lion King as well. What fresh hell is this? <laughs> Let's move on. Stranger Things, they're going to be doing an animated series. The Duffer Brothers have announced they're bringing a new untitled Stranger Things animated series to Netflix. We've always dreamed of an animated Stranger Things in the vein of Saturday morning cartoons that we grew up loving. I guess that would be on theme, wouldn't it? The idea of just that retro celebration that Stranger Things already is. Yes, it sort of makes sense in a way. It's interesting because I was having a little look through and it didn't really say where it would be set in their universe unless I've said it somewhere else. No, it just says they're doing an animated Stranger Things. Yeah, and they've already got some artwork. Can't share with more with you. The adventure continues. Ooh, so maybe sequel thing. But they're also doing a play in the West End, which caught me by surprise in that article. It's like, they're doing a what? It's a proper success for Netflix, isn't it? It has a lot of potential. Yeah, this seems to be one that really has 
grown arms and legs. Netflix have had other successful shows as well, but they don't seem to have spread... Not to that degree, though. Yeah, spread to that. I guess the thing with an animated show, if you were setting it with your current characters, then animation is a great way of keeping your characters but them not ageing, which is the whole problem that Stranger Things has probably got, which is your young protagonists are not going to be... Young anymore. They're not young now, are they? They're not now, yeah, exactly. Is it not that the latest season it wasn't believable that they're the age that they're supposed to be? Yeah, they're having to work really, really hard to make them (laughs) seem younger. You've got the kids who are that age playing younger... It also means that all your background and all your extras also need to be that age playing younger in order for your cast not to look completely out of place. So there's a bit of that struggle going on, which they must have known they were going to have if it was going to be lasting for this long. Obviously they could recast, but then I think people are very tied to the actors that are playing the characters at this point. If you were going to recast, you almost needed to recast each season in order for it to work without people being attached to everything. But yeah, an animated series, I don't see why not. I quite enjoy Stranger Things. I've only seen the first season still. I think it's good. There's some bits that don't quite make sense sometimes, but there's a lot of fun in it as well. It's got a bit of comedy stuff to it. I like the 80s aesthetic and all that they've done with it. I think that was a really wise move for them, setting it in that way and doing the nostalgia angle with it. It twins with it very well. The music choices are great. So yeah. Recommendation from me. Moving on, another retro thing. Radio Silence, who produced the Scream movies and things like that, are working on Secret Monster Movie for Universal, and Melissa Barrera will be reuniting with them to star in it. It doesn't really say anything, but it says it'll be in the vein of studio's recent films like The Invisible Man, the upcoming Renfield, upcoming at the time that article was written. The untitled monster thriller provides a unique take on legendary monster lore and will represent a fresh new direction of how it celebrates these classic characters that's all it really says melissa barrera is really good in the two scream films she's in she's really good i haven't seen her in much else she was in in the heights that musical mm-hmm. lynn manuel miranda one she was very good in that as well so the prospect of her leading a universal monster movie i am all for yep i can't really argue with what you've said there there we go short and sweet coming up to our final things ryan coogler is to develop an x-files reboot Original series creator Chris Carter made the revelation during an interview with On the Coast with Gloria Makarenko to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the X-Files. During the interview, Carter said, I just spoke to a young man, Ryan Coogler, who's going to remount the X-Files with a diverse cast. So he's got his work cut out for him because we covered so much territory. It doesn't explicitly say that it's a reboot, but that's what it's being reported as. My thinking would be, and you can maybe correct me on this, I don't know... If you've seen The X-Files, I haven't. I think I've seen the odd episode when it was on BBC Two back in the day, but it's not something I've committed to watching, so I don't have a lot of knowledge of it. But it seems like you could do a sequel show that's just another couple of agents doing the same job, or has it gone too far for that now? I'm a bit like you. I think I've watched Odds and Ends and absorbed a lot of X-Files stuff from other things that have either parodied or used the material rather than watching the show. It's just that episode of Simpsons. That's the extent of my knowledge, really. You probably could just spin off that kind of thing where people turning up and investigating strange goings on. So I don't know if you would need to reboot it, it seems odd, but because I don't know the thing, maybe there was something that built up towards the end that meant you can't just go, and then they begin again. We really are the best two people to be discussing this. We're the best two people to discuss this item. We definitely are. I could Google, how did the X-Files end? I don't think it has. Yeah. It could be a sequel in the same way that Knight Rider was a sequel or Quantum Leap was a sequel, as in makes reference to the original stuff but doesn't interact with it. 
Yeah. Knight Rider kind of did. And I don't know if Quantum Leap did because I didn't watch past the second episode because it was bad, but a legacy sequel, effectively, even though The X-Files was made pretty recently, but reboot or spin-off, I guess it doesn't make a huge difference. Maybe it does, I have no idea. Let us know in the comments, people, where we're massively screwed up. But it is a Ryan Coogler thing, and he's really good. Yes. And one thing I'll say about it is, if it is a full reboot, then that gives me a jumping on point because i say this word a lot but the current iteration of it is just impenetrable it's just too much of it to get into Mm. i feel the same about stargate i'm just not going to go near that too big yeah there's a lot you have to be there at the time or not at all or just have a lot of spare time on your hands during reruns not speaking from experience i don't know i feel like going back and watching the x-files through a modern lens early 90s x-files you'd be like oh god no yeah what's one that people keep recommending me babylon 5 I keep getting Babylon 5 recommended to me. You take one look at the CGI and you're like, nah. Yeah, I kind of have that problem and I probably should watch it because it's recommended. And X-Files feels like one of those as well where it's something in this sphere that's influenced so many other things that you should watch it despite. But sometimes I can't get past the way things are shot and the graphics and the effects and all that. And then I struggle. Sometimes there's things that you can only enjoy because you enjoyed them at the time. Yeah. So you already have that built-in... Yeah, the built-in acceptance of it. Yeah, that built-in connection to it that you gained years ago. But if you didn't get that at the time, then you might not respond well to it. Mm. That would be an absolute nothing is. But Ryan Coogler did some X-Files stuff. That could be interesting. Yes. Moving on. Following an intense multi-studio bidding war that went into the weekend before the article was written, Warner Brothers has landed the package Mod vs. Mod, or Mod v. Mod, with Angelina Jolie and Halle Berry attached to Star. Exact details have been kept under wraps, but an insider describes the pick as a Bond vs. Bourne type of global action thriller with locations to be announced. So it's going to be Spy vs. Spy, Halle Berry and Angelina Jolie. That'd be pretty cool, potentially. So what are we thinking? Spy v. Spy, and then it turns out you're not too dissimilar, you and I turns out we've got a common foe let's work together to fight the common threat turns out there's something bigger than us our two agencies have set us against each other for reasons <laughs> take them down yeah i'm thinking that okay sounds cool let's go and our last thing amazon acquired mgm's back catalog recently and now they're looking at it and thinking what can we make out of this and here's what they've decided. They've identified about a dozen initial titles for film and or TV development, including Robocop, Stargate, Legally Blonde, Fame, Barbershop, The Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, and The Thomas Crown Affair. It's eclectic. <laughs> what a mix. I want all of those in one show, please. Each title is being approached differently. Some are being steered towards film, some towards TV, and some big ones are getting both. For instance, Mm. Amazon Studios has an active early conversation on Legally Blonde, both for a movie and potential TV series, sources said. There have already been on and off efforts to get a third Legally Blonde film off the ground for the past five years. Amazon has similar plans for Stargate. We hear both film and TV installments are considered, with a movie likely going first. Robocop has been talked about for both film and TV, with a TV show possibly first. And then Fame Barbershop and Magnificent Seven are also TV. Thomas Crown Affair movie, as well as Pink Panther movie, which could be animated. So is it actually going to be the Pink Panther as in the cartoon character rather than Inspector Clouseau? A poltergeist project is also a possibility down the road. The Thomas Crown Affair movie, isn't it already just a movie? Wasn't it okay initially? I've not seen it. I've not seen it. So going by really bad information here, I'm going to call the sequel Thomas Crown Affairs as a two 
on the logo. I know it's a political thriller because I saw in The Simpsons, Homer and Marge were deciding to go and see a film and Homer goes, ooh, the Thomas Crown Affair, thinking it's going to be some kind of steamy love story. <laughs> and Marge says something like, oh, I hear that's a compelling political thriller. And Homer's like, oh, God. <laughs> It's just a list of stuff that people recognize. Well, we're looking at this back catalogue of stuff we now own. We're just going to make all of it original ideas, guys. We've looked at the IP that we've purchased and we've decided we're going to use it, which is absolutely acceptable is what they've done. They've went out and bought the stuff, so they're going to use it, aren't they? They didn't buy it just for the back catalogue to put in the streaming service. They also want new things to come out that will make them money. The names of the things that stand out there for me... Robocop, I don't have a huge connection to, but Stargate, I loved the series SG-1 and Atlantis and, to a lesser extent, the other stuff. Universe. Stargate Voyager. Universe, that's the one. I didn't really enjoy Universe. And there was that Origins, wasn't there? That was apparently awful. There was Origins and they started their own just Stargate streaming service at one point, which had its own (laughs) thing, which I didn't quite go for. I kind of draw the line at a streaming service for one show. (laughs) but yeah i really enjoyed that part of me is like i want to see a continuation of some of the stories that we saw the other bit of me is like they probably need to reboot because there's so much established canon and stuff in there here's that word again impenetrable impenetrable the word that you use which is that people would just be put off by oh if i start this have i now got to watch three, four seasons worth of television 15 seasons of television or whatever it is yeah yeah to now understand the full timeline of this show. Or you can get someone who can do a really good job of bringing all that together without making it that, oh, you need to have understood absolutely everything that came before in order to understand this. I'm guessing Stargate falls into that bracket I was talking about with The X-Files. If you try and watch the early stuff, it might be a little bit dated. Yeah, definitely. It went through several formats because it was on air for so long as well. You rewatched during lockdown, didn't you? Or was it before that? I did a rewatch. Every once in a while, I rewatched Stargate. Stargate, for me, I started watching completely out of sequence. When I would go down to college, it used to be on after we finished on Sky One. The only place that I had Sky One was when I went down to college and there would be reruns of SG-1. I saw Atlantis, the follow-up stuff from SG-1, when it used to be on Channel 5 on a Friday night, because they had the second go at Stargate. And then, I can't remember, was it on Virgin 1 for a bit? I can't remember. It was also on something else. And then I got into it in a bought box sets and watched all of it at some point. And every once in a while, I end up doing bits of rewatches of it. As much as I love the characters and I love the stuff that they've done, it's probably going to be a reboot. It's probably going to hit a big reboot button to make it a lot easier for writers to do things. Because if you go with a lot of the established stuff, you've got one hell of a writer's Bible to try and keep everything straight and all the stories on track. I know this is rich coming from me when we're talking about new Star Trek all the time, but... You feel like they've maybe done it all in about 14 seasons of television or however much it is. I'm just going to say a different number every time I refer to how many seasons of television. Eventually I'll get the right one. The interesting thing with the concept is you can always unlock something a bit else. They use the chevrons of the gate itself for the way that they went, oh, we've found out that one dials our solar system and when you add another dial, then you've got the international dialing code, then you can go a bit further. And they did the same with Universe. It was, oh, if you do it this way, then you can do this and you can go even further. Yeah, because the film which is essentially the pilot of the TV show, or ended up being the pilot of the TV show, the gate was only 
travel between two points, wasn't it? It was two points, and it was because that planet was the closest with a gate to us, so stellar drift hadn't taken it far enough away for us not to be able to dial it. And they tried umpteen combinations, and they never had to write one once, and, and then they worked out how to do it. And then the show happened. And then the show kicks off. With different actors playing the characters. No more Kurt Russell. <laughs> the premise for the show, when it begins, is that they go back to the planet, that was originally locked off and there's writings on the wall with all the addresses, the gate addresses, and they run that through a computer and once a week it's able to spit out a working set of gate coordinates and then they go there and they investigate. How convenient, once a week. It's convenient, once a week they get a new thing that they get to go and see. And obviously everything develops from there. Spoilers for TV show from a while ago. From there it all advances on and you get into all the different, how were the gates built, how was everything out there, what's the universe out there beyond. So you're options are reboot or distant sequel i guess reboot or you go right let's take this further and further and further down the line here's the comfortable situation we're now in and suddenly something destabilizes that we think we know everything at this point we've done all this we've conquered all these different enemies and we've befriended all these different alienations we think we're doing great and then suddenly something upsets that balance a new foe emerges or a new thing happens and we can't combat it in the same way that we could or you go right back to the start and you go right there's a gate what's that about and you hit the big reset button yeah robocop has a thing okay well, the reboot was dreadful, but I'm sure there was an idea that was floating around about doing a sequel to the second one with Peter Weller, or sequel to the first one, I guess, with Peter Weller as old Robocop, because he could still do that. Legally Blonde, I've seen the first one, actually, that was all right. I quite like Reese Witherspoon. I don't know if I'd want to see a Legally Blonde thing if she wasn't involved. The other stuff, I don't know. I can take it or leave it. Mostly leave it. Fame is a classic. Fame seems like one of those ones don't touch. Yeah. It seems like one of those rules of leave this alone. Same with Barbershop. Barbershop, yeah. Magnificent Seven, they remake it all the time anyway. Yeah. There was that most recent one with Denzel Washington and so on that wasn't very good. I think the Magnificent Seven is a remake of Seven Samurai anyway. You could do the Magnificent Seven versus Seven Samurai. Oh God, <laughs> I've just come up with the next thing. Yeah, you've just come up with more on the list for them. It seems that there's a lot of things there that they could play with. Yeah. And there's also Michael B. Jordan's Creedverse. That's a plan. The one I'm most interested in is Stargate, depending on who they get on board with that and what direction they take the whole thing we are going to be assaulted with more retreads of familiar ip is what we take away from this it seems inevitable you don't spend all that money on getting rights to things and then just do nothing with it because you're looking for a return on that investment other than just people are watching the old stuff especially when you've bought something as big as mgm with the catalog that it had Sure, there's some stuff behind the couch that they've forgotten about as well that they can mine. Oh, exactly. There'll be things that they probably had the rights to and never did anything with that are sitting there that they're like, oh, actually, it <laughs> turns out. Plus, there'll be James Bond spin-offs at some point. That'll happen. And it seems inevitable. Yeah. Anyway, we did it. News is over. We've covered it all. Woo! What a month of... What a month. Mostly the same stuff that we always talk about. That is a month. But yeah, thank you for stepping in as the news... Victim, I guess, is what we should call you this month. <laughs> You're welcome. So that was our discussion about news and trailers from April 2023. I want to thank Neil Stenson for the supply music. If you like what you heard, then please do subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, there'll be a subscribe button. And there will probably also be a rating button or several buttons. And most of those ratings let you express your feelings in the form of a star or several stars 
Chris, how many several stars would you like? Eight. Eight. The number of years since Moana minus one. <laughs> or perhaps more accurately. Five? Yeah, that was all I was looking for. And a comment. <laughs> if you want to talk about anything we talked about here or anything else really, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. And as always, we hope you will join us on the next Neil Before Blog. Thank you.